you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face? Face, face, face. I think I earned the right to go on the internet and see that guy get a chainsaw on the face. Dude, my dad was drunk and my mom was dealing with it. Guess what? I got raised by Cookie Monster. My cock looks like it's been in a hockey fight. Time my stupidity. It's at the speed of goddamn light. I got a bunch of blocks. Hey, what's happening? I'm Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast. Let me ask you a question, folks. Now, before I ask that question, let me preface this by saying you don't need to answer that question. Certainly not out loud. You might look like a maniac if you're on public transportation, although we've covered that in the past, where I've had you take off your shirts and yell how much you love me and you're in my army. Uh, and if you're alone in a car, feel free to answer. Or if you're alone at home, if you're listening to this at a desk, just say, just let's just say this, just like you're, you're somebody who broke their ankle and their significant other Sal is somewhere else doing something and you're alone, you got nothing else to do, feel free to answer this question out. Or go ahead and text that Sal. Or go ahead and text somebody else, anybody else, to answer this question. Uh, my point is I have a question to ask you folks, and it, it, it pertains to me, it pertains to you, it, pertain, it pertains to all of us. Well, maybe not all of us. I want to go ahead and exclude maybe half of the population. That seems weird right off the bat, right? Why would you do something like that? Why would you cut half the population immediately out of an inquiry? If I'm taking a poll of some sort and I'm trying to find an answer, why would I immediately take half of the population out of the equation? I would think that I would need to get a true read by talking to everybody. And yet, once I ask the question, you'll understand exactly why I'm taking out half the population. By half the population, I mean a certain amount of the population. It doesn't have to be half, uh, but only certain members of the population. You know, I'm cutting out the, the Amish. I don't want to hear from the Amish. You Amish, take me out of your uh, ears right now. Stuff me into your beards and don't listen to this goddamn question. Go raise a barn without me. I think the Amish listen to me. I think all of them have got me tuned in while they put up barns. And, and you just see them all. If you're ever driving and you see a bunch of Amish just start laughing at the same time as they raise a barn, you know that they've got earbuds in and they're listening to me yammel, yammel. I was going to say ramble and yammer. Uh, I could yammel. Maybe I yammel those people. Maybe I yamaka those people. All right. If you got a yamaka on too, by the way, you can just start laughing silently to yourself. Uh, you know, it's been the night of the living Jews here actually by my house because of, uh, what is it? Shana Tova, Rosh Hashanah, uh, <laughs> Hannah Barbera. I don't know what you guys got going on, but, uh, but they're all out at night. Because I see the Jews at night. Gung, 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 That's the wolves at night. It's a song by, I think, Manchester Orchestra. Uh, but you'll see a lot of Jewish people outside by my house, and they're wearing their yarmulkes, and they walk around at night, and they've got their suits on, their, uh, their Jewish suits, and their little Jewish hats. Uh, not, not little Jewish hats. I know what a yarmulke is. That's a Jewish, that's a skull cap, a beanie. Uh, I wonder if the beanie just stays on. Because, I mean, I got a big-ass skull. I don't think I could handle a yarmulke. I think it would just go flying off at the first good wind. But uh, but do they have to use a bobby pin? That seems like kind of emasculating. I, I ask you, Jewish people, if you have to wear a yarmulke, do you need to keep it uh, pinned to your head with a bobby pin ensemble? Not just one. You can't just jab, stab it through your skull and like a steak knife through a goddamn double-decker club sandwich. Maybe you do that. Oh, well, that's what I want to do. Wear a couple of yarmulkes. Go double-decker yarmulke and just plunge a fucking steak knife through it so it pins itself to your skull. And you haven't got to worry about any wind, for fuck's sake. Uh, but I guess my question is, if you're wearing a yarmulke, it has to, it has to be zoomed in there. I zoom is a bad word. <laughs> Maybe just uh, pinned, right? Bobby pinned. you got to get a, a, a whole circumference of bobby pins around it to keep it because if you look we've got killer winds we've got the santa anna's blowing here in california not yet we will in a couple of months but maybe you know maybe that's why shana tova happens when it does they have shana tova in september and then the, the santa anna winds 
come over here in de- uh, in December and January. And I don't know if you know this, by the way. Absolutely, you're go- you're way ahead of me on this, folks. You do know that the Jewish name for Santa Anna is Shana Tova. So you guys, you saw that coming a million miles away. Um, that lit into my brain, and I was like, I can't wait to say this, and I still have to do this thing about the winds in December. Got to talk about that. I got to talk about the winds in December, which is another one of my favorite novels with a bodice ripper. I got to talk about the uh, the, the thornbirds. Ah, the winds of December and the Thornbirds, folks. Don't don't kid yourself. These are lovely. These are absolutely lovely shows. Um, Books. Winds of December was not made into a uh, show. It was just a book. All right. I I had a question. And I'm pining for an answer, folks. I'm going to need some of you to answer, maybe not all of you. And it's not a question about yarmulkes. I guess I had a question about yarmulkes as well with the bobby pins and the holding down of the wind. So feel free to answer that. If you'd like Jewish people, go ahead and, and send me a note to tell me if your yarmulke blows off in your wind. Well, does your yarmulke use its flavor when it blows in the wind at night? Uh, that's bubblegum. Uh, <laughs> stupid. Um, so there's yarmulkes. And we were just talking about another. Oh, the Amish chuckling to themselves. And the, and the Jews, Jewish people who are wandering my neighborhood in the middle of the night. And, and big families, too. This is the thing. You guys go to your Shana Tova. You do your thing there. You, I know you go there. You say a prayer. You don't eat bacon. You get up. Uh, maybe you have a fruit cup. Maybe you have a noodle kugel. You say hello to Yahweh. Uh, what year is it? Fifty-eight, eleven. I don't know. It's, you get some year for you guys, and then you. But then you walk out into the evening, and it's just. It, it is my neighborhood is a wash in the Jewish. They are all over the place. They are going to and fro. They are running back and forth. I don't know if they're running. Really, that seems weird. I don't. I don't want to have World War J in my neighborhood. Um, but they are, and they, they come out of the cover of darkness. And, and when I say the little hat, I didn't mean a yarmulke. That was what I was explaining. Uh, they'll wear that bitchin' hat, that cool-ass, like, fucking Western hat. That's a cool-ass Jewish guy hat. That's a good look, man. The yarmulke, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Fashion-wise, it's it's a little rough. I know you have to do it because it's in your book or whatever the fuck, in your pamphlet, whatever you guys sport, the one you read backwards. Whatever you read backwards, maybe that's the problem. So you're reading that fucking thing backwards, and you're like, well, we got to put on this tiny little hat. If you read the thing forward, it'd say, find a much cooler hat. I think that's what it would say. Um, so, but I mean, but that's what happens if you read the book forward, you get that big Western hat. You ever see that cool ass hat that Jewish dudes wear? It's like a, it's like a cowboy hat, but it's not, uh, not that there's not Jewish cowboys, not that there's not a Bucky Goldstein out there. Whose joke is that? Seinfeld's? I think it is. Uh, there's no Jewish cowboys. Bucky Goldstein might be David Brenner. Uh, oh my God. I just quoted a David Brenner joke. That's nightmarish. Hey, that's no good. This, you know what folks? Mark it down right now. Week seven, year 11, everything went to hell because I actually fucking quoted David Brenner. Who uh, I, I made a tweet about David Brenner one time. By the way, this show is just going to become me discussing my tweets going forward because nobody pays attention on Twitter, so I bring it to you. I'm like, listen to this brilliance everybody ignored because that did just happen to me again the other day with a tweet. Uh, should I tell you that now or should I talk about David Brenner? I don't know. Folks, it's a coin flip. Nobody knows what to do at this point. Uh, and also, I'm a little out of sorts. I've, I've had a bad weekend. I had a rough weekend. I had a weekend that I don't want to recount, and yet I'm probably going to have to because I didn't do anything else but this uh, stuff that happened over the weekend. <laughs> so I'm going to recount it as I talk to you about Jewish cowboys and their ilk. And David Brenner and his jokes. The tweet I had about a David Brenner was I said, look, uh, no matter what you think about stand-up comedy, the testament to its strength as an art form is that it survived David Brenner. Which, and then a lot of people were very upset with me. And by a lot of people, I mean like one. Because again, nobody pays attention to my tweets or my Twitter. Uh, but there was one, I think one David Brenner defender swooped into my mentions. And he's just like, why I oughta? Uh, and I said, of course you oughta, but you won't because fuck that. You're a pussy like David Brenner. I call out a dead guy. I shouldn't do that because again, it's Shana Tova. That's the time the Jewish ghosts rise from the grave and haunt those who've insulted them. And all of a sudden David Brenner might come in here and be like, Oh, oh." (laughs) I don't know if that's what he sounds like. I can tell you this, whatever I just did made the hugest blue blob and audacity. I think I've ever made. I think that's, that's, that noise was the most oppressive uh, noise I've ever made in the history of audacity and Libsyn and podcasts. 
Uh, but I don't want the ghost of David Brenner haunting this show. But now I've invoked him like five different times. I've said his name three times. I've had to. He's got to arrive like Candyman, right? Uh, he's going to be here at some point. Uh, that's when it's lovely is when you know when the ghost of David Brenner comes in to wreak havoc. Uh, but again, he could just be out haunting the streets with the rest of the other Jewish people. Not that they're haunting. They're just heading home from fucking uh, Rosh Hashanah, Tana, Tana Shova, Shova Tana, Shana Tova, whoever the fuck. Uh, whatever they're doing. Um, because, like, I don't I don't understand any of your, your religious religious stuff. I, I'm talking Jews and Seder, and, and we're saving a plate for Elijah and whoever the fuck that guy is. I'm talking about Christmas and mistletoe, and, uh, and, and you're saving a kiss for Elijah, whatever you guys are doing with yourselves. Uh, trees and Santa and Jesus and his birthday and a cross. And, I mean, uh, none of it makes any sense to me. And 72 virgins and, and apples and grapes and whatever the fuck else they got up there in Muslim heaven. Uh, I, all you guys with your myths and your stories and your boogeymen. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound good at all. How mean is that? I've just, I've just torn three of the world's largest religions asunder. Perhaps, well, I, and you know, right now all the Buddha people are like, ha ha, that's right, we got off light. We totally skied into the radar, which makes uh, no sense because Buddha's the fattest dude in the world. I would have seen him from a plane. You'd think I'd insult him from space because that's the only fucking deity you can see from the fucking moon is Buddha because he's fucking gigantic. And coincidentally, Buddha also made of green cheese. Uh, <laughs> I had a question for you folks. I know I had a question. There was something I was going to ask. Oh, here's what I was going to say to all of you. And maybe not all of you, as I've mentioned, some of you can answer it and some of you can't. Um, some will do with this and some will go with that. And some will go, uh, I need to stop doing uh, fat boy slim. All right. Uh, um, are you like me folks? Are you like me in that you wish you were a man? That's my question for you. Do you wish somehow that you had some sort of masculine properties? Now, and look, I will tell you this. I have plenty of masculine properties. You know, I've, I've got calluses on my hands. I got a cock. I mean, I got all that stuff. Uh, I, I got a, a supreme disposition to being told what to do. I mean, I am a, I am a man through and through on certain levels. Uh, I go lift weights and here's the thing rebirth. Let's talk about that three days a week. I've been going and killing it. I've been combining my cardio into my weightlifting excursions. So I go there, I run a mile and then I go on a circuit training with fucking John and I am soaked. And I, I know I talked about this last week and I said, I will put up photos. Yeah. Well, I got my dick doc knocked in the docked in the dirt. I got my dick knocked in the dirt over the weekend and I'll explain. Uh, but I did not put up the photos, but I have them. They're all in my phone. The, uh, I'll tell you what, I take selfies every day now at the gym thinking I'll go ahead and post this because I need the attaboys from you guys. And then they just sit in my phone and then I look at them and I'm like, these are dumb. Nobody wants to see these. And of course, nobody wants to see them. But the whole point is you guys are there for me. And so if I post them, you'll say good things. That's what the whole point of the attaboy Schmidt brigade is about. Uh, did I tell you my Fitbit ate it? Did I mention that last week? My fucking Fitbit died. So that's one of the reasons why I haven't been able to enter the, all the races and shit like that. I don't know why or how. I was charging my Fitbit, and then I took it, I put it in my little uh, uh, wristband, and then I checked it later that day, and it said it was only half full. But it didn't say it on the Fitbit. The Fitbit had nothing on the screen. It was totally burnt. But on the phone, the app said it was only half full. So I'm like, how the fuck could that be? I charged it overnight. So I threw it back on to charge it some more, and I think somehow uh, I gave it too much juice. I think I, 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 think I geased my uh, geest, geeked. Uh, gassed. I don't know what the fuck you want to say, but I did something on my fat bit that was bad. Uh, my fat bit. That's what I have, folks. Now I have a fat bit. That's the problem. My gigantic fat wrist swallowed up my Fitbit, and I can't find it now. It's not part of my skin. Long live the new flesh. Uh, it's very video drone. It's not tucked into my hand, and I got to push buttons on it to try to find out which, how many fucking steps I took. Uh, but it's gone now. That's well, it's not gone. It's on my desk, but it doesn't work. So again, I charged it overnight, and then nothing. 
No screen, no numbers. And I, I can't reboot the fucking thing. I pressed every single button combination. I pressed, look, you, you, and you don't believe me here? I'll tell you this. I pressed the first button, and, and then I pressed the second button, and then, and then I pressed the third button, and then I pressed the first and second button together, and, and then I pressed the second and third button, and, and then I, I pressed the first and third. What if I did this all fucking day? Uh, I only had three combinations left. I should have just continued. Um... The point is the Fitbit doesn't work anymore. So now I have to just in my brain know what I'm doing and, and, and prove to you guys that I'm doing the thing. Only selfies. Selfies are the only way to track my fitness, folks. Um, so, But that's the thing is I go to the gym and, again, I have calloused hands. I have, I have three calluses on each hand. Uh, and, I, and I got, you know, fucking uh, crazy ripped forearms underneath all the fat skin. But if I, I'm a guy who's – I lift. I go there. I do the circuit training. Like I said, I, I today – like here's what I did today in the gym. Or no, uh, yesterday, Monday. Um, I went ahead and did the uh, – here's what I did, folks, <laughs> since you need to know. Why am I telling you this? We did chest. Uh, you know, you do like 120 pounds of chest and you do 15 of those. And it's like – but it's the worst part. It's like slow down and explode up, slow down and explode up. You finish that and then you go over and you do shoulder press. Or no, I deadlifts. I did deadlifts. Uh, just like an 80 pound dumbbell deadlifting, 15 of those go over and then do the, uh, the shoulder press and do uh, 15 of those at like 130 pounds. Uh, and then you got to go over and do fucking, uh, quads and then you do rows and then you do, uh, uh, reverse crunches. Yeah. It's no fun. I mean, by the time you could bring my fucking shirt up by the time I'm doing two circuits and then we do three more, you do five circuits. Uh, actually we just do it till the hours up. So it's usually around four circuits, but if I'm really hustling and not talking, I was uh, doing some talking yesterday, uh, cause I had a lot to talk about and I'll get to that in just a few minutes, but man, I, uh, I love it. I love walking out of there just fucking soaked and like crazy and sore. Uh, do I still got to get my head right diet wise? Of course I got to get my head right in a bunch of different ways, but the good news is, like I said, lifting and, and adding in some cardio, not as much cardio as I should be doing, but still some cardio. So there you go. But that's the point. I'm a man. I'm a man who gets on the treadmill and does a mile in, in 15 minutes uh, or 17 minutes. I'm I'm a man or 20 minutes or 25 minutes. I'm a man who goes there and does rows, chest rows with chest up and fucking pull downs and, and benching. And I get the calluses on my hand and I'm sore and I come home and I take a shower and sometimes I can't lift my arms. So uh, it's easy to wash my balls, but not so easy to wash my shoulders. So I have to lean into the wall to support my arm and then move my whole body to wash my chest and shoulders, which is... If anybody's watching, they're enjoying it. I, you know, there's that window across the way. I know periodically people have peeked from me uh, at me from there before. I don't know if they're doing it these days. You know, I'll catch a glance up there periodically and say that the, uh, the the blinds are open, but nobody's there. Or at least maybe they're there and they're just peeking over the sink. Or maybe just a family of midgets took that apartment. I don't know. I look up there, I don't see anybody. Midget is bad, fuck. Um, a family of dwarves? Uh, little people? I don't know. A family, family of uh, Lego people. Because Lego people... I mean, they're not midgets, but they, they're totally small. And, and but, leg, but midgets, but Lego are like little midgets because they got the big round head and that little tiny body. I guess that's a dwarf or an elf. Perhaps it's an elf. You know, maybe Gimli. Gimli took the apartment upstairs. That's what he did. He's got the apartment. He's just staring down at me. He's like, oh, I can't believe he's got to wash himself like that. That's my Gimli. Uh, I haven't seen the movie in a while. So it's just, that's a Gimli from memory. You know, nobody, do me a favor. Don't try a Gimli from memory. But are you like me? Do you wish you were more manly in certain ways? Do you think? Because, again, look, I'm getting my apartment in order. I'm doing all sorts of cool-ass things. I'm trying to do the thing. I'm making progress, certainly, in the rebirth in all sorts of uh, uh, places, except for, you know, diet. But uh, as far as lifting, yes, and getting the apartment done, yes. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to our friend Kyle coming over tomorrow and putting zip ties on all of my cords. We're going to hook up my television and get that squared away. We're going to hook up. I, uh, I've done some digging. 
I found because uh, again I'm planning on streaming. I told you on Twitch and playing games. Well, I bought an NES. You guys know that I bought a Nintendo system. However, I also have a, a Sega Genesis that I found in a cabinet. I found a PlayStation that I found in a cabinet, and I still have my Xbox that I have uh, on a shelf. I don't know if I can use all of those games uh, or all those boxes to play. I don't know if any of them still work. I haven't played games in fucking years. Uh, but we'll just blow the dust out of them, out of their out of their guts, and see if they'll go ahead and let me play a game on TV on Twitch for people to watch. I found a bunch of sports games. I found Genghis Khan for the Sega. I don't think anybody's going to want to want to watch Genghis and just fucking plant wheat. Hey, we're going to plant wheat for the next hour and, and just build up our troops. That was the best part. Like, Because we'd just be sitting in, my brothers and I would be just sitting all night and just building up our fucking countries, waiting to not get invaded. And we'd be listening to Pearl Jam's album on fucking repeat and just train your troops. All right, I'm going to train my troops. And then you train your leader so he gets all smart. And then the troops can train even more. They get bonus points. God damn, I love Genghis. You have no idea how much I love Genghis. I've told you. you have you, Actually, you have every idea how much I love Genghis. Uh, but are you like me? Do you wish you were manly in other ways? Like you could just sit around and play on your Xbox and things like that. Uh, so my apartment is just about, like I said, it's, it's, it's not just about done. It's in progress. I'll tell you what, here's what I found. I dug into a box and uh, I've been going through stuff and I, I shared it. I did a live stream uh, yesterday night, which was Monday night. And I, and I, I shared some stuff with some people come to the live streams. If you have it, that's, they're fun, man. They're totally cool. But I did one yesterday and I went, everybody's like, Hey man, show us some like old stuff. Like you dug out of your boxes. So I brought in, uh, some old notebooks of mine. And, uh, what was the other thing I showed? There was one of the, Oh, I, you know, I have like the old never not funny CD still in the cellophane. Uh, I, I, you know, I found comedy notebooks, whatever the fuck it, it was for me. It was that thing where I'm like, Man, nobody wants to see this stuff. And then everybody's like, oh my God, this stuff is so cool. So that's very nice. People are very generous. Um, but then t- today I like went through a box and guess what I found, folks? Uh, you know, I've got, like I told you, all the papers from 9-11. And then I found Time Magazine and the, and the fucking Daily Variety from, from 9-11. I don't know why Daily Variety is there. What kind of fucking headline they could have. Uh, Saudi splits d- d- nation, whatever the fuck. Uh, I couldn't think of all the alliteration. I should have, damn it. See, I should have planned that. That's why the show should be planned. Um, but I found at the bottom of this box a, a stack, not, not just a couple. I didn't find five. I think I found like fucking 15 to 20 old Playboys. Uh, and I know you're thinking, well, fuck, that's horrible. Well, no, because here's the thing. They were saved for a purpose. Like I had them and I had the foresight. I had the aforethought in my brain to go, you know what? Somebody's going to want these one day because it's, uh, it's Jenny McCarthy. Like when she won playmate of the year, it's the two Farrah Fawcett episodes, the one where she did all the naked art. And then the other one she did for Christmas. It's uh, a bunch of Pam Anderson ones, the original ones. It's Sable from WWE Wrestling and Tori Wilson. Uh, it's it's a bunch of those. I mean, I, I have the Women of Comedy, which has like Rhonda Shear from uh, Up All Night and Felicia Michaels, who's a podcaster now. Uh, yeah, maybe you like Felicia Michaels and you like her podcast. Well, she was naked in Playboy. I got that. You want to see her vagina? You want to go? You want to see her fucking pussy? Go ahead and uh, contact me. Anyway, the point is I, I fish out all these Playboys and I'm like, you know what? Holy shit. This is a gold mine, man. I'm going to go ahead and put these on eBay because I know old men collect Playboys. That's a thing. It's a, you know, when I, I, the whole time growing up, people collected Playboys. They kept them in like cellophane and shit like that. So I'm like, I am going to totally fucking clean up. So I go to eBay and, uh, let me tell you folks, that is a terrible way to find out that nobody collects Playboys anymore. Like, like nobody is interested. I even looked up the specific issues. There's some of them that I have that are listed on there. Uh, some of them are like, buy it now for five bucks. Zero bids. The ones that are forbidding, 21 cents. 
I mean, like nobody is bidding on these Playboys. Nobody's buying them outright. And I just, and I mean, mine are in good condition because I even texted Gio and I'm like, dude, I don't understand why nobody wants these Playboys. And he's like, dude, nobody wants, he's like, here, uh, somebody buy this book I spooged in. I'm like, dude, it's an amateur move. Nobody, everybody, amateur move to shoot in the magazine. Everybody knows you got a better aim than that. Uh, I said, even my onanism won't cut into my profit margins. I just, I just can't, you know, I just, I, I, I knew all along that these were going to be a thing, but then I go to fucking eBay and nobody wants these. So now in my brain, I'm like, well, fuck, I got to throw these away now. This is going to suck. And, and, and I can't, it's like the videotapes, the videotapes and the Playboy magazine. This is all shit that I thought people was, were going to want going forward. And nobody wants any of it. I mean, the, you know, like I said, the Playboy or, or the videotapes, nobody wants those, but I think I want those, but I thought it'd be easier to fucking convert them. And it's not. But the Playboys, Jesus, what a goddamn mess that is. Nobody wants those at all. Uh, but that's what a man does. A man goes and lifts weights. A man collects Playboys. A man rolls through and sees Sable and runs off a batch. That's how he handles his business. Uh, if you want to be like me and be a man, go ahead and buy my Sable fucking uh, Playboy, where they actually digitally added pubic hair to her. And I'm not even joking. I think I've talked about that on the show before. Sable was in the WWF at the time, and uh, and they, they she was totally naked. But they put this like fucking weird ass digital merkin on her because that was at a time when ladies were starting to get waxed or shaved. And so she clearly had shaved because, I mean, you know, she had her normal hair and then they, they obviously color matched it. It looks like she's got a rug sample like on, on her pussy. I mean, it's just so fucking bad. Uh, and, and it made me laugh. I'm just like, even then, because like I said, that was at the time when it was starting to evolve, when everybody, that was going to be the fashion now where everybody was getting waxed and things like that, which I think is, from what I understand, it is backtracked now. The waxing is gone or it's and not that. It's like, uh, but I don't know, maybe grooming is back in. I don't, look, I don't know. Don't ask me any pussy questions. It's been a while. Um, but I, I know I know my preferences. I think you do too. But whatever anybody decides to do, you know what I prefer? Any of it. I don't care. I'm on board. You've got one? I'm in. There you go. That's my preference. Uh but yeah, so I mean, I, I've got these fucking Playboys and now I'm like, oh, I got to toss them out because nobody wants these goddamn things, even though even though I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll totally make a ton of, nope, no money, nothing at all. I mean, it's just, uh, and that's what a man does. Like I said, a man's got Playboys, a man gets uh, calluses. Here's, here's what a man doesn't do. Here's what I'm going to tell you. This is the thing I wanted to share with you guys. This is why I was asking you a question. Uh, and I'm sure you're all going to go, oh, Mike. And I wouldn't blame you, quite frankly. Uh, I'm in my uh, bedroom. As I said, I'm getting things squared away. I'm getting things prepared. I like to sleep with some white noise, as all of you know. Now, it's been very warm here in Los Angeles as well. It's gotten back over 90 degrees for the past few days. So uh, so it works double duty, my white noise. I have a fan, and I have a tower fan, and it spins. So uh, I used to put it at the foot of my bed, and and it wasn't uh, it wasn't getting the job done. I was starting to wake up, and it was still really kind of warm in, in the morning, maybe a little stuffy. So I was like, man, this tower fan is not getting it done. Is there something wrong with it? Do I got to clean it? Like, what should I do? And then instead, I, I hit upon a brilliant idea. Here's what I did, folks. Instead of putting the tower fan at the foot of the bed where it blew directly into the headboard and then spun around back and forth and missed me most of the time, uh, I put it alongside the bed. So it would start blowing directly in my face, and then by the time it was done spinning, it would just get down to my ankles. I mean, I got a six-foot radius, so uh, I still got two inches to fucking spare at that point. So, uh, you know, I keep one leg outside of the covers. I got one leg out, one leg in. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking lying sideways on my right side, facing the fan, and the fan is blowing in my face. And not only that, it's got the white noise, but it's also keeping me cool. Dude, it was a brilliant idea. I was so excited for it. So I've been doing that for the past week. I'm like, this is great. Even though it's hot out, I'm not even fucking feeling it, and I'm getting the white noise benefit. So uh, I was proud of myself in this development. So then yesterday, uh, I was getting ready for bed, 
And I was getting stuff squared away. You know, I, I pulled the covers back. I brushed my teeth. I threw in some mouthwash. I'm getting that squared away. I'm walking back and forth, turning lights off, doing the things you need to do. Uh, and then I go into the room and I turn the fan on. And the, thing, the only thing is, I will tell you this, I have to readjust the fan every night to put it uh, so it blows properly because during the day I also turn the fan to where it's either blowing in the whole apartment or it's just blowing on me. If I'm working at the desk, as you know, I have a desk now in the bedroom because I'm very efficient. <laughs> that just sounds so stupid. I've got a desk in my bedroom. We, I like to type where near my pillows. Uh, so I, I, I adjust the fan to where it's blowing on me while I'm working. And then at night I have to turn it around. And so it, and then re I have to turn it on. Yes, I know you're going to laugh. I have to turn it on and then I have to watch its uh, trajectory. I have to make sure it blows all the way to the front and then all the way to the back. And then I have to move it to the right sometimes and pull it back a little bit. So I get full, full air exposure. And, uh, it's, it, look, it's hard work being a man folks. It's hard work building a white noise machine. So, uh, last night I'm doing that and I'm, I'm, like I said, I brush my teeth and then I walk in, I turn the fan on, I set it up, and then I go out and I throw the fucking mouthwash in, I can throw a little biotin in, get a little swish swish. Uh, and I know you're thinking to yourself, Mike, you're a weird dude. How do you handle your swish swish? Is it just a couple of swishes? No, of course it isn't. It's uh, eight swishes, top left teeth, eight swishes, top right teeth, eight swishes, bottom right teeth, eight swishes, bottom left teeth, eight swishes, top front teeth, eight swishes, bottom uh, front teeth. And then just, uh, then just go wild, then Lord of the Flies, then wild card. Just spin it all over your mouth. Uh, but I always go eight, one, two, I, I was going to make the noise. I, I don't think I can do it. I, I don't have any stuff in my mouth. Should I fill my mouth with water and let you know what it sounds like? Of course I shouldn't. How horrible is that? Um, but yes, the point is I have a routine as far as mouthwash and nonsense. So, uh, so I'm swishing and I'm walking around and I'm making sure everything's fine. I, I, I grab my wallet. I put it in the room. I, 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 like I said, I set the pillows up just so. Uh, cause maybe I didn't make my bed yesterday. Maybe that's just the kind of guy I am. Uh, or I should say maybe I made it in time for this live stream <laughs> and then I pulled it back and the pillows were in the wrong spots and I had to move them around because, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that people, cause I live streamed from my bedroom on Monday. Uh, and, and, uh, which, which was a weird thing because normally I've been doing it from the living room, but now I did it from the bedroom because I was like, ah, you know what? I like this. This is a good move. And then of course it was too dark and people had me go, well, turn the light on and do this. And, and I did. Um, so I think the streaming, once Kyle gets in and we get the, the, the living room squared away, I'm going to go, that's going to be the streaming headquarters from now on. I will just, I will just be there. No, there's no more doing it from the bedroom. Uh, I don't want to make my bed. Uh, so, uh, so this nighttime ritual continues. I, I get the fan right exactly where it's going to be. And, the, and I got it on high, but the wind is not, it's not blowing out the way it should, in my opinion, quite frankly. I've got my hand out and it's strong. And look, when it's blowing directly in your face, it's totally strong. But I want it, I'm like, maybe there's something up here because it just doesn't feel like it's getting the job done. Now, the thing is, I would prefer to take it outside and turn a hose on it. You know what I mean? Because there, I'm sure there's dust inside of it and stuff. Because I don't know, I look, I don't clean the fucking thing. And my house is a goddamn dust farm. I mean, it, it's insane. Pat couldn't believe it. Like when Pat came over to paint, and then he came over just two days later. He's like, how does this dust get here? Because he thought it was the old carpet. But it turns out I just got a dusty place, man. I got all the windows open and stuff. There's just dust all over the joint. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I close my eyes uh, only for a moment. And then the moment's gone and I'm covered in dust. Uh, so I got this fan and I'm looking inside. And like I said, it's blowing, but it just doesn't. If, in my head, I'm like, I wonder if this could be a little better. I wonder if there's a way to get just to coax a little bit more air out of it. I'm like, I wonder if it's the back. Because, I mean, I noticed this. Yeah, of course, you stand, the, fun, the fan is drawing air through the back. But, uh, but if I'm standing behind it, it makes that noise where it completely changes because it's not getting enough air intake. And in my head, I'm like, all right, well, maybe there's, there's dust in there. So I go and I grab a feather duster. 
and I don't have like a real feather duster. I have this weird, I don't know, I don't know what gay pride parade my ex-wife found this thing at, but it's a, it is a rainbow feather duster. That is, it's gotta be, it, it looks like a sex toy. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's just fucking a feather duster has the, you know, it looks like a bird. It's got that thing on the top with the feathers and then it's got a long wooden handle. This thing's plastic, but it's got rainbow, uh, it's, it's not even feathers. Like, like I would say just, just material. How the fuck would I put that yarn? Not yarn. Cause that would be like a mop. It's just really thin fibers. And so it looks like the kind of thing that you would shove into, uh, you, you ever see those things that they have where you put them in tiny, in tiny slots and they get really small and it cleans the slots. So I'm thinking that's maybe what it is. So I get it out and, uh, I got the fan going and I take the, the thing and I, I start to brush it on the front, not on the back. I br- start brushing it on the front vents. Now keep in mind, it is, uh, it's like three 30 in the morning. I can't wait to go to sleep. And again, I've already brushed my teeth. I'm still kind of zombie. I threw some Carmex on, uh, and I'm standing there naked, fucking just trying to clean the dust out of the goddamn fan. And I'm doing, and I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm, in a motion. I'm just going down, 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 down. Cause up, down, up, down doesn't do anything. It's just pushing the dust back into the machine. So I'm going down, 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 down. And I'm, and I'm some dust is coming out. It's good. And then, it, you know, the fan blows it out. I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. And I'm doing it. I can see, but I can see more dust in there and I'm trying I'm like, ah, fuck, I got to get this. So I kind of lean the fan forward and I bang on it a little bit. And I'm going down, down, down. And it doesn't look like I'm making as much progress as I want. And I'm like, dummy. This thing is thin. It's not like a regular feather duster. You can jam this fucking thing in here and totally clean out the dust. Ha ha, of course, right? Because that's what a man does. A man knows how to fix things. A man knows how to repair stuff. A man knows how to clean tower fans. So I grab my LGBTQ fucking feather duster and I go and I'm like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to fuck this fan with this gay feather duster. That's what we're going to do. We're going to just fucking jam it right in the front and clean out these slots one at a time. Let's get these slots done. And I take this feather duster and the fan is blowing some dust out and I take the feather duster and I jam it inside to fucking clean out this big dust hunk that I saw and I'm ready to get it out and I hear and the fan stops. And uh, it dawns on me, you know, a man probably would have known to turn the electric fan off before jamming something inside into the blades. Uh, so I, I, I withdraw the gayest feather duster west of the Pecos. And it's missing. I got a little haircut. I'm not going to lie to you. I got a chunk taken right off the top. And by the way, I didn't even know that there were blades in this thing. I thought it was just generating air. I guess, again, I don't know how anything works. It's a tower fan. There's nothing whirring in there. I mean, there's whirring, certainly, and, and air. But it's not like, I, with an oscillating fan, you can see blades oscillating. They're right there. You can see that. But this thing, it's clandestine. It's just this long, it's this long sleek, black, dark tower looking thing. I'm waiting for fucking Idris Elba to pop out of it and shoot Matthew McConaughey. And I, I figure I'm safe. So I go ahead and throw this thing in there. And, uh, it's, it's just, I don't. And then I, uh, the whole fucking enterprise just shuts down, man. And, uh, and I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, what I thought was I thought that there was just a fail-safe that shuts down if you shove a gay feather duster inside of the black tar- tower. Uh, so I, I take it out, and it's off now. It's, you know, it's turned itself off. So uh, I, I withdraw the feather duster, and I, I hit start. And uh, I will tell you this, folks. 
the control panel works fine. I turn it on. It lights up green. It makes the beeping noise. I hit, you know, small, slow, medium, fast to get up to the fast blades. I I hit the oscillating U, so it tells you that it's going to rotate back and forth. And all of the control panel is working perfectly. You know what isn't working perfectly, folks? Other than this now decapitated feather duster? Uh, (laughs) The Dark Tower fan. Uh, It is now, like, let's put it this way. Before Gay Feather Duster, I had the Dark Tower book. After jamming in Gay Feather Duster, I now have the Dark Tower movie. Uh, It won't work. It just doesn't work. I unplug it. I plug it back in. I'm pressing the buttons. Again, the control panel works fucking perfectly. Green dots, lots of beeps, uh, just no oscillation and no fan and no air and no nothing. And so I picked the thing up and I turned it upside down and I can hear there's like loose stuff in there. I figure that's got to be the fucking skull of the feather duster that got cut off. And I don't know if the blades themselves are broken. I can't figure it out. All I know is I turned the thing upside down. It's like, you just hear plink, plink. It's like a game of Plinko. You just plink, 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 like stuff falls down. doesn't come out because it's too big to get through the slots. But, uh, but then I turned the thing upside down again and then I plug it in and I mean, nothing, man, nothing. And I'll recognize it's three 30 in the morning. I'm naked and tired and it's hot and I just want to go to bed and I want to get the fan. Blow. I just discovered, I just discovered the newest fan equation. I was the fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson of learning how to sleep comfortably. I had, I used science. I used trajectory. I made sure it was a six foot radius and it got me from fucking pillar to post from fucking, from, from ankle to fucking eyeballs. And, uh, and instead I jam a a, a fucking RuPaul looking feather duster directly into the blades. How do you not turn it off? How do you not turn it off? What, what do you think? I guess I wasn't thinking, all right, shut up. I, that's all I'll tell you. I wasn't thinking. And I, I will tell you this, I've learned a lot about myself in the past couple years, and I've actually been able to fucking get a handle on not punishing myself for doing bad things or dumb things, because let's face it, this was a bad thing and it may have been the dumbest of things. I literally shoved something into an oscillating fan, trying to clean it without turning the motherfucker off. I mean, that makes no sense. None. Now that you say it out loud, but in the moment I'm do I, you know, I'm tipping it over. I'm cleaning it. Dust is coming out. I figure I'm making progress. I'm going to jam this in there. And then, uh, what a fucking drag. So now I got nothing. So then in my head, I'm like, all right, what white noise am I going to use? I think I mentioned when I went to the Jesuits compound on YouTube, I was able to find fucking a train in the rain, uh, being ridden by John Wayne, which is oh, howdy partner. Well, howdy partner, thunder train tracks. Uh, that's all he said was howdy partner. Uh, and fill your hands, you son of a bitch. That's all John Wayne says. When it's John Wayne on a train in the rain for eight hours, fill your hands, you son of a bitch. Well, howdy, partner. Rain, train, clang. Uh, so I'm like, do I got to go to YouTube now and find fucking this? I was, and I didn't punish myself. That's my. That's the thing I'm most proud of. What am I least proud of? Fucking up the fan. I'm not going to lie to you. What am I least proud of? Not turning off the fan before I jam something inside of it. Because I was trying to do a good thing, folks. I'm just trying to clean it. I want to get a better production. This is what, because this is when you get cocky. When I'm doing shit in the house and I'm moving stuff around, I'm like, yeah, I'm actually good at this. I think I can, I can handle being a man. And then I just, I literally, you know what? It's the only good news is the slots weren't big enough for my hand. Cause I guarantee you, I would have jammed that in there at some fucking point. Just like an infant is like, <laughs> fingertips cut off idiot, but I'm not an idiot. I just made a mistake. We all make mistakes, right? People make mistakes. You make mistakes. I make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. Wouldn't you like to make a mistake too? 
So my point is, do you want to be a man, folks? Are you a better person if you feel that you're manly? Can you fix shit? Come to my house. Help me out. Save me. Because I'm just going to be standing on a stool with my fucking dress pulled up along my waist saying, eek, get a mouse. God damn it, I can't fix anything. Uh, oh, and I, you're probably thinking, well, Mike, did you have to go find YouTube uh, noise? No, I did not. Because guess what? Here's what I have. The same day I bought Dark Tower Fan, I bought its uh, a little buddy. I bought a little friend. I bought a little companion. Or it might, it might have even come free. Like, buy the tall one, get the small one. Uh, two for one, baby. So I, I went and dug that out of the one of the recently renovated closets. So now I knew where the thing was. And I just put that on my nightstand and I had that cranked up to just shoot me. Now, look, it didn't go no uh, fucking uh, eyeballs to ankles. I just went straight eyeballs. I let the fucking thing just blow into my face. But uh, but that's fine because it was noise and I got I got a gust full of air in my face all night long. I can handle that. I can do that. I don't I don't need an ankles cool. And I just go without blankets. You just fucking lay naked on the top sheet and just uh, and I hope the heat doesn't get you. And fall's coming anyway, right? We don't need the t- we don't need the fan. We need it for noise, but we don't need it for anything else. We certainly don't need a breeze. Uh, we need a steel breeze. <laughs> uh, uninvited, don't know where to go, don't know what I'm gonna do. That's a uh, steel breeze. You should check them out. Uh, you don't want me anymore. Won't you let me explain? Cause I don't wanna lose ya. That was one of the '80s uh, songs that I enjoyed a million years ago, probably around the '80s. Uh, folks, let's talk about my weekend. Did I drive? I did. Did I get into the car? Thank you all for the feedback on last week's show. You're all very nice. Uh, I went out and drove Saturday. I will tell you that, uh, I waited. I did the show for you guys on, uh, on Tuesday and then Wednesday came and then Thursday came and I, I wanted to go drive and I just, I, uh, you know what it was? Even doing last week's show made me think about, uh, not wanting to be in the car for a while, just not wanting to go out and deal with. I didn't want a drunk kid to take a poke at me. I just did, I didn't want to see anybody's face. I just I just I just wanted to go ahead and I didn't hide inside. I mean I was okay. I went to the gym and stuff like that. I lived. I, I got a lot of apartment stuff done, which was great. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, did I uh, did I not want to go drive? So I didn't. I didn't on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, and then I w- I wound up going out late on Friday, and I wound up driving on Saturday as well. But here was the thing. I should tell you this too. Uh, you know, I got the fever last week. I didn't think I was going to get the fever, but, uh, it's been a long time coming. I've been waiting and waiting. Now, look, I, I always have a, a low grade version of this fever. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm always able to ignore it and not think about it. But, uh, last week, folks, last Sunday, uh, oh, last week, I'll just talk about it all week long. I, you know, like I said, I, I did the show. I thought about going to drive, but I had an end game. I had an arbitrary goal in mind. I had a thing to look forward to. I love having things to look forward to. I, you know, I've got Toronto to look forward to at the end of this week. Sunday, I get on a plane. It's going to be fucking amazing. I love having something like an end game, something to reach, something to look forward to. And last week, uh, that thing was a very visceral in my mind, front of my medulla type of, uh, type of goal. It was something I could not wait for something I'd been waiting quite frankly for since, uh, I'm going to say February. Yeah, February, seven months. This was popping in my head, and I, and I only convinced myself to want it more as time passed. Like it's one of those things where as things get closer, you get excited, but also you're kind of like, well, you know, I'm not going to get too excited. Fuck it, I was in. Sunday was our uh, the first game of uh, your Chicago Bears, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and I say your because I know you all love them with me. You all want to bear down, Chicago Bears. Uh I I gave myself over to being excited. Now, look, things have not been good for the Bears in recent times. We know this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 
uh, a couple of years ago. You know, they had a shot at the division title, and I happened to be in the building when they blew it. That's right. That was, uh, I think that was December 29th of 2013, a date that will live in infamy. That will be known as the date that Chris Conti uh, uh, got fried by Randall Cobb. I can't even, I don't even want to say the names. They're, they're just, they're ugly words, folks. They're ugly words. But Randall Cobb on fourth and fucking eight caught like a 60 yard touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers to defeat the bears in Chicago and, and have them win the division and go to the playoffs. Uh, and that was, oh my Christ, was that bad? That was, and that was 2013. And I was there, I was there when it happened. I heard every ounce of air go out of the building. And the only thing, you know, it was, it was gray twilight. It was, it was almost darkness. The lights were out in the stadium. The only thing that I could see was, was the, were the lights shining off of the perfect smile of Jill who was standing next to me, huge Packer fan in her Packer Jersey. Uh, I, I, and so I, I, that might've been the last time I was really excited for bears football, you know? And, and even before that, like the previous time was, was probably the Super Bowl. Although, you know, when they got Jay Cutler, I was pretty excited when they got Jay Cutler. They made the trade. They traded two draft picks. But the Super Bowl was in fucking, what, February of 2007? February 4th, I think? Uh, and I was excited for that game. February 4th, 2007. I was excited to go. I, I wanted to go. I was out, never not funny. I kept looking for ways to go. My buddy Dennis and I were going to go. But he, then he bailed out of me in the last three days. And, uh, and we didn't go. And then the Bears, and then they took the opening kickoff back. Holy fuck, dudes. When the Bears won the Super Bowl, when well, they win the Super Bowl, when they played in the Super Bowl in 2007, it was the 2006 season, but in February of 2007, uh, Devin Hester was a rookie, and he had lit up. He had lit up the league, folks, with his his kickoff returns and his his golden smile. And uh, and the Colts, who had the worst kick return coverage in the game, kicked the ball to Devin Hester. Like no one knows why they could have kicked it in the end zone, they could have kicked it out of the bounds, whatever they could have done. But I guess they decided they wanted to be men about it, and they fucking kicked deep. And Devin Hester caught the ball on like, not even deep. I think it was like a 92 yard return. He got it to the fucking eight. And then Hester just fucking breaks it and he's gone. And the funniest part is Devin Hester, he watches himself in the scoreboard. That's the greatest thing. He watches himself on the diamond vision and a guy catches him right at the last second. So he doesn't get to run into the end zone unscathed. A guy tackles him, hits him at the one and he falls into the end zone. But still, I, I, when I watched that game, uh, I watched it at, do you know who John Campanera is? I, I, I may have talked about this on the show. I went to John Campanera's house. But at the time, I was at Never That Funny, so we didn't really, I don't think we really delved into it. But I went to John Campanera, a, a famous Chicago comedian's house. And Jimmy Pardo came over. You know, Lenny, my brother Lenny was there at the time. He and I aren't talking. And uh, and I actually went to Portillo's. I went down to Portillo's, which is this famous Chicago joint that I told you guys about. It was in fucking Anaheim, our Buena Park. I drove 45 miles south to buy fucking like a hundred pounds, a hundred pounds, a hundred dollars worth of fucking Italian beef. I just bought Italian beef and gravy and the sterno and the fuck, the whole catering job. I brought it and I brought it to Capanera's house. I show up and we just start unloading it on the table and everybody's like fucking Chicago Italian beef. You're kidding me. Fucking everybody starts eating the beef and we're celebrating. And that's before the, even the kickoff, man. And then, uh, that kickoff happens. I'll, and I was watching it. It was funny. They had TVs in every room and I'm in the living room in the front of the house. I mean, Capanera's got him. He's, he's, you know, he's got a fucking sitcom. He's got a giant fucking house. So, and I don't even know John, by the way, I just, I went because that was where the Chicago guys were going. And, and I heard it through the grapevine and I'm like, you know, I got an invite and I was like, all right, I'm in. So we're watching the kickoff in the living room. And, uh, and I, I, I won't ever forget it. The kick happens. Hester fucking takes it. He breaks the contain and he just fucking, he's gone and he crosses the goal line and I, don't, I didn't even hear the announcer. Like, I don't even know what the fuck happened. All I know is 
I immediately, because there's another, a whole bunch of other guys watching it in the back of the house at another room. And I literally, I just ran. And when I got to the doorway, I didn't even run in the doorway. I leaped. I leaped in and just landed and just fucking stared at everybody. And they just started fucking cracking up. And I just started pointing. I'm like, you're goddamn right. You're goddamn right. You can't waste magic. And I walked around fucking hugging and high-fiving or screaming. I'm lifting dudes over my head. I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. It was it was like one of the greatest moments, certainly in my Bears fan history, just for him to, I mean, to take the opening kickoff back in the Super Bowl. What the fuck? And also, because it wasn't even unexpected. Like, you kind of were like, yeah, he could probably do that. And then he did it. Like, nobody does that. Nobody calls their shot. Devin Hester's the Babe Ruth of kickoff returns in 2007. It was amazing. So, uh, so then we're watching that Super Bowl, me and a bunch of Chicago dudes, and we're just having the greatest time. We're high-fiving. And then it slowly dawns on us as the rain starts pouring and uh, Cedric Benson pulls himself out of the game that, uh, oh, no, uh, the Bears are not doing well here. They uh, Peyton Manning goes back to pass and the Bears fuck up a coverage and Reggie Wayne catches like an 8,000-yard touchdown pass. And uh, eventually Grossman throws a pick and then the fucking Colts just start gashing the defense in the rain with 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 both running backs. You're like, oh, this is not happening. But it was it was. And it's funny to this day, Mex, he's mad that the Bears made that Super Bowl. Because he would have rather they didn't make it than lose because the Bears were one and oh lifetime in Super Bowls. They won in 1985. But for them to go in 2006 and lose, he's like, it fucks up our perfect record in the Super Bowl. I go, come on, dude. You had to want them in the Super Bowl. He goes, yeah, if they win. He goes, but if they lose, I would much rather they didn't even fucking go. Because now we got to take this L, man. It's just there forever. And uh, and I understood his point. But at the same time, it's like, it's the fucking Super Bowl. You want them there. But then they got methodically ground down. It was terrible. Uh, the only, the only, honestly, you know, Italian beef was third on the list of great things that day. Number one was Hester's kickoff. And, uh, and number two, of course, was uh, Prince playing the halftime show in the rain and, and just being unbelievable. And then, and also playing best of you by Foo Fighters without telling Dave Grohl he was gonna, that's such a great story. Dave Grohl's like, I was watching the game and then Prince starts doing best of you. And I'm like, uh, what? Like to hear fucking Prince do your song on that fucking level of, of national of a stage. Jesus Christ. That's gotta be amazing. So that was when I had real hope and real happiness was in 2006, 2007, when the bears, their defense is ridiculous. And and then time went by and they hired a series of coaches. They hired, uh, you know, they fired Lovey Smith and they hired this guy named Mark Trestman. And, uh, and I liked Coach Nerd in the beginning because I, I try, here's the thing. I try to be optimistic. This is one thing that's definitely happened. So this is what I was saying. I don't, uh, I don't invest anymore. I like football a lot. I love the Bears. I want them to win. But if they don't win, it's not that big a deal. I'm not going to lose myself in it. You know what I mean? I've got other things to do and my life is more important and I'm 51 years old. Sports shouldn't mean much to me anymore. You should just be like, oh, this is a fun distraction. And if it happens, just go, eh, that's fine. Uh, and that was the case until, you know, you, you, you start watching your team win a little bit. And then you start to kind of, with every victory, with every move, you start to invest more and more. Uh, and, you know, in 2006, I, at the time when the Super Bowl was going on in 2007, I had a writing job. Uh, you, you know, I was doing well. It, it was, it was so, so sports were a fun distraction. You know, you try not to invest too much in, t- in 2013. I was just starting a relationship and I was fucking head over heels in love. And I was like, this is the move. It's going to be fantastic. And, uh, you know, you, so you, you just sports is sports, but at the same time, it's just a fun and friendly rivalry. Well, you know, the bears this off season, cause they sucked the last three years, they sucked. And when I say the last three years, it, it, you know, that's since 2013, they've, they've been really bad. 
Uh, they fired Coach Nerd because the team fell apart. The locker room hated him, and they fucking cut Mark Tressman loose. By the way, this is very sports-heavy. I, I, I recognize that. Certainly, we talked about a fan and, and gay feather dusters, but now we've transferred into the sports portion of the show. I hope you can stick around, but if not, uh, I totally won't bother, it won't bother me. It, it, won't, I was say it won't mind, and it won't bother me. Uh, I'll see you next week. <laughs> um, but Coach Nerd was there, and they fucking, he lost the locker room, and they hated him. They fucking they fucked around with Brian Urlacher, who's one of the greatest players in the history of the organization. They weren't going to sign him and bring him back. And, uh, you know, they brought this this fucking GM was just trying to put his own stamp on the team, Phil Emery. And just and, and, and look, I backed them up because so I was like, I like Coach Nerd. I like thinking outside the box. And then I was like, oh, fuck, when Coach Nerd he just fell on his face. Then they were looking for another coach. And then there was a guy named John Fox who had coached the Denver Broncos. He'd actually taken the Broncos and the Panthers to the Super Bowl. And he came available after they signed kid whiz kid young gm ryan pace who i supported i was all over him and then i was like when john fox came available i'm like holy fuck if pace signs fox he's the young guy there's the old guy there's your thunder and lightning there's your your butch cassidy and the sundance kid they're gonna old and young this fucking team to the top so uh sure enough they meet john fox they give him the job and i'm like this is perfect you get him in there he fucking he's a new sheriff in town he goes ahead and establishes something in the locker room and he gets everybody squared away meanwhile pace is the mad genius he's gonna go ahead and find guys make trades do things sign free agents and draft guys he's gonna rebuild this fucking team the monsters are coming back uh but at the same time i i i wasn't that invested because as i've mentioned you know i I, life takes over you start you start paying your bills you start running around and trying to drive you're in a relationship that you're trying to make work and, uh, and I was always able to find solace. You know, they, they, Jill and I shared football, but it was always a fun thing. You know what I mean? And, and it had to be because, honestly, the Packers would wind up drumming the fucking Bears most of the time. Uh, but I was able to be in Lambeau Field a couple of times with Jill when the fucking Bears beat them. And, uh, and I was able to tweet with you guys and write stuff on Facebook. And, and that was totally fun. So, so when the Bears did win games, it was fun. 2013 when they won. I think it was 2015, possibly, uh, or maybe 2014. Uh, at Lambeau when they broke. Cause again, we saw them. I saw them break Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. I saw them defeat the fucking Packers on Thanksgiving night when they retired Brett Favre's number. I was all excited about all those things. Now, was I less excited when I was in Lambeau field and the Packers led 42 to nothing at the half? I was, but to Jill's credit, she smiled at me and said, this is really out of hand. Let's get the fuck out of here. And we did, which was nice. She didn't torture me. She didn't torment me. And it was something we shared. It was a, it was a, it was a cool thing to bond over between us and a new relationship. And, uh, and she knew her stuff. She wasn't just like, uh, oh, duh, football. No, no, she was a fan. Uh, but I still didn't get completely attached. I didn't let myself do it. Cause again, I had other things going on. I got life to live, man. I got to try to pay bills. I got to try to stay afloat. I got to try to keep this show going. I got to possibly go do live stuff. You know, I have to dedicate myself to making something of myself and I can't just lose myself in sports. That's, that's easy to do. And it's okay to do if you want to do that. But I just, I couldn't. It's not like when I was a kid and, uh, and the Phillies would lose a game and I would cry, you know, and, 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 uh, and that happened. I mean, it happened in 1980. I was like, so disappointed one time they were losing, they want, and they want to win in the world series that year, which was thankful. But I mean, you know, I was, I was 13 years old in 1980. There's no reason to be crying over a baseball game, but I was so tense and they'd never won. And they'd come close like three other times in my life that it just kind of overwhelmed me and I get fucking schooled. And, uh, and then you get older and, you know, you see, you see, you know, when, when Walter Payton lost in his last game in Soldier Field, it, it teared me up and I was like, this fucking sucks, you know? And, but then as you get older, you realize life is, is there to be lived. You can't live vicariously through these things that are happening. You can have fun, certainly can have hobbies and, and, and you can love 
your team, but there's no reason to get sucked in. Sports shouldn't mean that much. So uh, I say that to you now, but then in this offseason, the Bears changed and my life changed in that the Bears went ahead and uh, when the season ended, because they they were dudes, the Bears were, I couldn't, I could not watch them. Like, I mean, I I watched late in the season just to see Trubisky play some games, their new quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. I watched him a few times and I wanted to get a, get a feel for him, but, but I didn't, I didn't wake up early to see them. I'd turn on the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, it wasn't an imperative of mine. And also I didn't have anybody to share it with anymore. You know, Jill and I were done. So I I was just, uh, I was on my own and I had other things going on. So I, I just, I just didn't bother because they were bad. And in my head, they suck, man. I can't invest in this. It's cool. If they win, not going to care if they don't. But then the season ended, and they uh, they fired John Fox, who I had seen as a savior a few years before. And so they go out looking for a new coach. Now, again, like I said, Ryan Pace is a wunderkind. He's the, he's the general manager. I think he's only 43. Young guy in charge of one of the most storied franchises in the history of the NFL. And he's hit on some draft picks. Like, I'm all, I was all in on the Trubisky pick. You know, he made a controversial trade to move up and get his quarterback. But you know what? If you identify your fucking quarterback, go get him. Because a couple of years ago, the Bears had a chance to get one of the best defensive players in football. His name is Aaron Donald. He plays for the Los Angeles Rams. The Bears were going to draft him. He was falling, falling, falling. And then one pick before he got to them, the Rams, who did not need a defensive lineman, they had had like 50 sacks the year before, went ahead and drafted Aaron Donald ahead of the Bears. And it's a legendary story around the beat writers because they said the Bears draft room, their war room, froze. They didn't know what the fuck to do. They just sat there and stared at one another because they they had, they really didn't have a plan B. So they had to take every single fucking second they were on the clock to go ahead and take Kyle Fuller, a cornerback. They knew they were going to take a defender, but they thought they were going to get Aaron Donald, possibly a generational lineman. And all they had to do was make, if they could have traded up like two slots, they would have got him. So I never have a problem with the guy aggressively going after the guy he wants to go after. So Ryan Pace goes out and gets Trubisky. You know, he's picking third in the draft. The Niners are picking second. He actually makes a trade with the Niners just to move up one spot. He gives him a couple of third round draft picks. And of course, this is the thing about sports these days. You know, you have to run into social media. You have to look at Twitter. You have to see uh, everybody's opinion. And I don't know if you know this, by the way, folks, everybody's right. Everybody in the world is right. And don't bother telling them they're wrong. And don't tell them, oh, really? You, the counter guy at Vienna Beef Hot Dogs, you know more about the Bears than Ryan Pace? Well, of course, by all means, grab your tiny little megaphone and shout it to the fucking world. And please make sure you don't put the apostrophe in your uh people are awful and so the bears make the trade for trubisky and i again i can't get invested i'm excited i go well that's cool i'm glad they got that guy but online people are like pace sucks fire him he gave up too much and i gotta I read all and look it's my own fault i i got out of the top of the fucking diving board and did a triple lindy right into the pool of negativity i shouldn't have done that i should have just moved on but instead i marinated it and i read people and i just wound up getting my blood boiling and that's a trick man don't you can't do that you can't read shit and go yeah oh no i totally get this I, this makes me so mad i wish this wasn't happening well just fucking close it and walk the fuck away man that's all you gotta do but I have to admit, I enjoy reading about sports. I love participating in the discussion. And by participating, I mean reading because I'm not about to fucking type anything and go, bears are good. Yay. I don't want to fucking do that. Because again, I'm not going to fight with ghosts and I'm certainly not going to fight with some fucking UPS driver who thinks he knows more about the 46 defense than anybody who ever lived. But I was on board when they traded for Trubisky. And then last year they 
fucking kept him wrapped in bubble wrap the entire goddamn season. They ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball. They were predictable. They ran on first and second down. They threw a third down screen. I mean, they were just a fucking terribly unfun team to watch. If your team sucks, but they're fun, that's a totally different story. Like this coming NBA season, I can't wait to watch the Bulls. The Chicago Bulls are going to suck. They might win 20 games, but they're going to score 115 points a game. It's going to be fucking hilarious. They're going to give up 135, but it's going to be up and down crazy fucking basketball, and it's going to be awesome and fun to watch. That's all I want to see is an entertaining team. Now, I mean, I'd love to win, but if the Bulls aren't going to win, at least they're going to be entertaining on their way to trying to get another draft pick or jake it and try to get a fucking free agent. That's fine. But they signed this kid Jabari Parker. They went ahead and signed fucking, uh, you know, they kept Zach Levine in the fold. They went ahead and drafted a, uh, what's his name, Wallace Davis, Warren Davis, I don't fucking know, some kid from Duke. And normally, look, dude, you know I gotta be crazy if I'm excited for some kid from Duke to show up. Nobody wants a kid from Duke. But they got him, they got another dude from like fucking Boise State or some shit. I'm like, our Ball State or another B State, I don't know where he's from, Brendan State, Baltimore State. Uh, regardless, I'm in. The Bulls are gonna be awful, but they're gonna be crazy fun to watch. Now, conversely, the Blackhawks this coming year, I don't know what the fuck to expect. When they were winning Stanley Cups, I was all in on hockey and I loved it. I'm still all in on the Blackhawks. I love Jonathan Taves. I love Patrick Kane. I love Brandon Sada's back. I think they have a bounce back year. But right now they get a trouble with their goalie, so they might not be so fun to watch because they're going to be giving up goals left and fucking right. And also they gave Brent Seabrook, who also came from uh, Baltimore State, if I believe <laughs> correctly, uh, that guy's a pylon. I mean, he just he's a guy and they gave him like $48 million or $50 million and, and he's not going to earn it, but that's okay because in my opinion... The Hawks have earned grace periods. They signed dudes. They won cups. They won three fucking cups. I, I go on like tonight. I, yeah, I'll tell you what the Cubs right now are playing for their lives. They're playing the Milwaukee Brewers. They lost last night and they're playing today. Jose Quintana's on the mound and people are like, oh, well, Jose owns the Brewers, whatever. But they and the Brewers are in a fucking shootout. But the thing I got to read online is all these Cubs fans are like fire Joe Madden, the, the, the fucking manager. Dude, the Cubs have the best record in the National League. The Cubs won a World Series two years ago. Last year, they staggered into the NL Championship Series and lost in five, but it's because they were so gassed, man. They were fucking hurt. They just didn't get it done, but they got beat by a better team, a better Dodger team. But you you want to fire the manager now? Why? And that's that's the weirdest phenomenon in sports. Cubs fans waited 108,000 years. I think it's 106 years for a title. 106 years. And then they win at the expense of the Indians who've waited like 70 years. They celebrate on the Indians' home field. They go crazy. I mean, it's just this cathartic release where they win a World Series. And sports is unforgiving because the next morning, everybody's like, all right, do it again. Do it again, man. And the fans, they put these weird expectations on players who have reached the pinnacle of their sport and their profession and clinched their life's dream. And then you're just like, all right, do it again so I can be happy. So I can go sell shoes with a smile on my face because I'm a Cub fan and I'm still happy that you guys are caring and that you're winning. You get enough money. Oh my God, we pay you so much fucking money. It's just such a weird dynamic. You can't like, like if there were Cub fans who, when they won the world series two years ago and they went, I'm never watching baseball again, you would understand it because they, they walked away at the pinnacle of their sport. Their dream was achieved. I'm lucky enough to see all four of my favorite teams win championships in my lifetime. I've seen the Bears in 85. I've seen the Phillies in 80 in 2008. I've seen the Cubs, or the, the, the Hawks win three cups. I've seen the Bulls, the Jordan Bulls. I mean, dude, I, I, for me to be mad or upset at, at teams and sports is just fucking foolish. There's no reason. There's no reason. And there's certainly no reason to carry a megaphone and yell about it on social fucking media. Fire Madden. Fire Madden. He won the World Series two years ago and you have the best record in the fucking league right now. So because he lost the game to the Brewers late in September, you're fucking pissed? Jesus Christ. I just... 
I have no time for it. I don't like, I don't, it's like, I don't like trash talk. I don't like shitty, I'd like, it's one of the reasons the UFC is dead to me now. The UFC, man, I used to love mixed martial arts. I used to love the UFC, but now everybody feels they have to talk shit and they have to talk shit in the most rudimentary, awful, evil, terrible ways. And they talk about a guy's daughter or they talk about it. And it's just, it's just classless. It's terrible. Now there's guys like Conor McGregor who have panache and they do it. And yeah, that's great. But then Conor McGregor goes fucking batshit insane because he gets so much money from the fucking Mayweather fight that he throws a dolly through a bus window and people defend him on social media. They're like, Oh, Max, a real man. That's what he does. You know, when you're a tough guy, you're a fighter. And I mean, look, if your job is cage fighter, I totally get it. You're a little fucking loose, but you throw a fucking dolly through a bus window and you don't apologize in a, in a, in a, fast fashion to the people who you know, there's other fighters on the bus and they wanted them to open the door of the bus. So they could go after McGregor and his people and they would have a fucking gang fight, but the fucking bus driver wouldn't open it. Cause Habib is just like, give me a, uh, yeah, open the door, open the door. And there's other fighters, but Michael Chiesa's got glass in his face. Now he's suing Conor McGregor and fans are calling Michael Chiesa a pussy. Rose Namajunas is the fucking UFC woman's title holder. I think in straw weight, possibly, I don't even they, the weights for chicks are weird, but I think it's straw weight. But she can't fight. She's like, she won't even leave her house. She has this weird PTSD from fucking Connor attacking the bus because she also grew up in a weird environment where she was abused as a kid. So this brought all these triggers onto her and she's like, yeah, I can't leave. And fans are like, ah, stripper of the belt. If she can't fucking make it out of her house, yeah, you got to fucking toughen up. I'm, I'm so tired of toughen up. I'm so tired of people going fire a guy who's, who's an amazing coach or player or manager and they're going, get rid of him. He's a bum. He's a slob. Fucking... People are so quick to be evil and mean and judge and angry. And that's what that's what comes from identifying yourself through being a sports fan. And so for me, it became toxic years ago where I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm excited about sports, but I'm not going to lose my fucking mind. I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, I, I, you know, again, I was a kid. I, I punched a hole through a wall because of a game or I cried because of a game. And then, and I, then I grew the fuck up. I'm 51 years old. Now, all that said... I uh, I was excited about the Chicago Bears this year. I was I was I was invested, man. I when John Fox was terrible, I was like, this is awful. I can't even watch this team. But you know, if they win, that's cool. But then they fired him, and then they went out and got a guy named Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, who ran an offense last year that that was scoring like 29 points a game. Like this unbelievably weird number. They had a stiff white quarterback named Alex Smith who he actually could move a little bit, but he was older. But still, they put in all these plays where they kept him on the move and they had these young, shifty receivers and a lot of fucking cross motion. And just, it was just an interesting, fun... Like I said, the Bulls are going to be fun to watch. The Chiefs were really fun to watch. Now, unfortunately, you know, they were fun to watch in the opening game last year when they thumped the fucking Patriots on Thursday night football. And you're like, holy fuck, these Chiefs have come out of nowhere. But then, of course, by the end of the year, they lose one of their key defenders to an Achilles injury. And then their their gimmicky offense, one game, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And they get fucking blown out. You're like, no, so they lose in the playoffs. You're like, God damn it. This is the team I was counting on to to throw in these fucking mass holes. I'm tired of fucking watching the Patriots. Um... But the Bears go ahead, and Matt Nagy was, you know, there were other coaches out there, but but Matt Nagy was one of the hot names because of Kansas City's offense, and the Bears just didn't, they didn't even fuck around. Ryan Pace is like, I got him. So he signs that dude. Now, they get him, then they go out and get an offensive line coach. Now, again, believe me, 11 years into a podcast, I never thought I'd be giving you the name of an offensive line coach, but I am, Harry Highstand, who supposedly is one of the best offensive line coaches in the world. They pirate him away from fucking Notre Dame. 
He comes back and he was the offensive line coach when the Bears went to the Super Bowl in fucking 2007. So they get him on the staff. Then Vic Fangio, who's a really good defensive coordinator, he's been on the Bears staff, but he's going to leave. Even though last year they became a top 10 defense, he's a free agent. He looks like he might split. So the Packers call. They're trying to sign him away. And the Bears are like, nope, they keep Fangio. So they got Nagy, Fangio. They bring Harry Highstand in to coach the offensive line. And then he gets this guy named Mark Helfrick from fucking Oregon to be the offensive coordinator. And, and if you watch, I've talked about Oregon on here before. They, their offense is ridiculous. They don't even, and their facilities are so crazy because Phil Knight from Nike gives them all this money. They have like 12 different uniforms. They have this green and gold color scheme. They have a whole fucking football campus where it's just, it's, it's almost like a different city. And I, I've said it before on the show, Oregon isn't like a football team. They're like the Avengers. Like, why wouldn't you want to go there if you were 18 years old? You get to wear fucking 18 different uniforms and fucking go out and lift weights and get girls and fucking play games. And I mean, it's just, it's enticing. Why wouldn't you do it? So Mark Helfrick, he, he was a guy who designed in the wake of Chip Kelly. He had their offense and he was fucking, he was, I, I enjoyed him. I, and again, he was a different, a different coach. The way Nagy did things, and then he wanted to pick the brain up of Mark Helfrich. I'm like, God, let these fucking guys team up. Take the league by storm. Now, look, have I fallen for it before with Coach Nerd and Mark Trestman? I have, but I don't care. I was on board. I'm like, Larry, let's, I'll give these guys a chance. And it's going to be Trubisky's second year. They're going to free him up. So then free agency comes, and the Bears go out, and on the first day, they sink like 80000 or $80 million into the fucking offense. They sign Allen Robinson, coming off a fucking knee injury, but a, a 6-4 touchdown machine out of Jacksonville as their lead receiver. They sign Trey Burton to come in and be their fucking tight end. They still get this kid, Adam Shaheen, a 6'7 project, is going to be their second tight end. They wind up signing Taylor Gabriel in the slot. He's just this really fucking fast water bug receiver from Atlanta. They invest all this fucking cash, and I'm like, dude, this is fucking amazing. So they keep Fangio. They go out and they get these receivers. They get all these fucking offensive weapons for Trubisky. Uh, they've also got Jordan Howard, who's a 1,000-yard rusher. They got Tariq Cohen, who last year was returning kicks, returning punts, catching screen passes, throwing touchdown passes. He's one of those dudes, man. He's a Swiss Army knife, and we got him. And I'm like, holy shit, you get the minds of Nagy and fucking Helfrich, and they're going to take the Swiss Army knife and Tariq Cohen? They're going to plunge into the hearts of the fucking NFL. This is going to be fantastic. So you got Taylor Gabriel in the slot, Tariq Cohen going everywhere, Allen Robinson going vertical, Trey Burton running crossing patterns, all in the fucking crafty Nagy offense. I'm on board. Let's do this. But they weren't done. Then the draft comes, and the Bears in the first round, they wind up taking their fucking middle linebacker of the future, a kid named Roquan Smith out of Georgia. This kid's got speed from sideline to sideline. He's fucking killing dudes. He wanted to play in last year in the college football playoff, and everybody's like, this is the best linebacker in the country. Well, guess what? Show up in fucking Chicago where the best linebackers always have played. Fucking Erlocker, Marshall, Singletary, Butkus, goddamn Buffon. All these badasses. And now he's going to follow in their footsteps, Roquan Smith. So now the Bears have fucking tuned up their defense with Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, fucking Leonard Floyd rushing the passer. They run a 3-4, so they got fucking Goldman and Buller up front. They got Roy Roberts and Harris, who they like. I'm like, all right, well, look, this fucking team can do some damage. They don't have a pass rush, but other than that, they're okay. Now, look, that's a terrible thing to say because in the NFL, if you say they don't have a pass rush, but other than that, they're okay, well, they're fucked. They're going to go 7-9 because you need to have a pass rush. But still, they've got offensive weapons. They've got some defensive stability. The aforementioned Kyle Fuller, who the Bears drafted instead of Aaron Donald last year, became a Pro Bowl cornerback. So then he was a free agent. The Bears let the NFL set the market. The Packers signed him to a fucking offer sheet, and the Bears matched it immediately. So now the Packers tried to get Fangio. The Packers tried to get fucking uh, uh, Kyle Fuller. The Bears said, no, we're keeping him. In, in addition, Allen Robinson, the vertical weapon from Jacksonville, it came down to the Bears and the Packers for that, and he signed with the Bears. All of our neighbors to the north were getting trounced. Everybody in Illinois' hat was furious. 
because the Bears were keeping all their guys and then getting new dudes away from the Packers. And then the draft comes, like I said, they draft Roquan Smith in the first round and they don't have a second round pick, but they trade next year's number one to move back into the second round and it gets them, or no, actually they traded next year's number two to move back into the second round along with a three and they get fucking Anthony Miller, who's some people consider the best receiver in the draft because he's like a little Steve Smith. He's got attitude. He runs out of the slot. He catches fucking everything and he's got fucking swagger. The Bears haven't had swagger in forever, but now you got Allen Robinson swagger. You got Swiss Army Knife Cohen swagger. You got Jordan Howard fucking steady as a rock. You got Trubisky looking at this embarrassment of riches of people he can fucking involve in the offense. What offense? Nagy's offense. Helfrich's offense. The fucking crazy, weird, upside down, we're going to come from the fucking (laughs) stranger things upside down offense. You can't handle our title. Sure, the Vikings have the best defense in the league, but all you got to beat out is the Packers and the Lions to finish second and try to get into the fucking wild card race. And who knows what happens to the Vikings, a couple injuries here or there, because that's another thing. Everybody's like, oh man, the Bears have a terrible fucking schedule. The Bears schedule is so fucking weak. Or I'm sorry, so fucking strong. Yes, I agree. It's brutal. However, three dudes get hurt and that schedule can become the weakest schedule in the league. That's how the NFL works. If all of a sudden somebody's bus crashes and two guys get hit by cars or a plane goes down, the Bears have the fucking weakest schedule ever and they run at page and they win a fucking million games. So you never judge the schedule from the beginning of the season. Everybody says, that. oh, the Bears, uh, they're facing a 546 winning percentage. It's going to be terrible. Well, I, yeah, but again, you never know year to year in the NFL. One injury fucks everybody up. Trust me, I know. So the offseason is humming along. They get Roquan Smith and Anthony Miller. And then they wind up taking a flyer on a bunch of young kids who could help the pass rush later. Kylie Fitz. Guys like that. <laughs> Some guy named Crowell, I think. Uh, so again, they've built this team in Nagy's image. Their, their, their offense is going to be ridiculous. They have eight weapons. You got Robinson, Cohen, Howard. You got fucking Gabriel. You got Shaheen. You got Burton. You got Benny Cunningham coming in as a third down back sometimes. You got a guy named Kevin White who they drafted in the first round a couple of years ago. Sure, he's made a glass. He's never done anything in the NFL, but he's still lurking. And if that's your eighth weapon rather than your second best weapon, good for you. You've made changes. You've made improvements. Nagy, Helfrich, they know what they're doing. Fangio. So they added Roquan Smith to that number 10 ranked defense. They add Anthony Miller to this plethora of weapons for Trubisky. The only thing they don't have is a pass rush. And I'm like, well, you know what? We can fake it without a pass rush. We can go 7-9, and 8-8 this year, and I'll be happy with that because they've been 5-11 and 11 for the past few years. But if you can just go ahead and win 7 or 8 games this year and show some improvement, I'll be happy because the next year, you go ahead and get your pass rusher. You figure out a way to do it. And then, then, folks, the Oakland Raiders bring back John Gruden as their coach. And uh, John Gruden, who is averse to giving out big contracts to multiple players on his team, realizes he has a quarterback named Derek Carr who's already earning $26 million a year. Unfortunately, he has a player who, while still under contract for $13 million a year, wants to renegotiate, wants to get a better deal. He's in the same basket as Aaron Donald. Remember the F4 mentioned to Aaron Donald, who the Rams drafted? Well, they uh, they needed to re-sign him or put the fucking tra- franchise tag on him to get him into camp. Well, the Bears have, uh, or I'm sorry, the Raiders have the same type of guy. They got a guy named Khalil Mack, number 52 in your program, from Buffalo University. He's truly from Buffalo State University. Uh, and he has blossomed into probably the second best pass rusher in the league behind Von Miller of the Denver Broncos. Yes, I know J.J. Watt. I get it. I understand. I hear you about your day. J.J. Watt's right up there, too. But he also gets injured. 
But Khalil Mack has proved it on the field. J.J. Watt's proved that on the field, too. Yes, I don't want to have this argument. But J.J. Watt's from Wisconsin. He'll always be less than Khalil Mack. Buffalo better than Wisconsin. Greater than Wisconsin. Um, so Khalil Mack is unhappy in Oakland. And uh, general manager Reggie McKenzie is like, what well, doesn't matter? We're going to fucking sign Khalil, no problem. And John Gruden says, I cannot wait to get Khalil Mack back into the fold. But time keeps ticking. Week one of the preseason. First, he doesn't show up at camp. Then he doesn't show up at week one. Then he doesn't show up at week two. He's still holding out. Week three comes along and everybody's like, are you going to sign this guy? And they're like, of course, we love Khalil. He's great. A couple days go by and they're like, well, you know, if Khalil doesn't want to play here, maybe we have to think about some things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. Hey, Chucky. Khalil never said he didn't want to play there. He just wants to get paid commensurate to his value. Could you do that? Could you give him the money? I mean, I know you're thinking to yourselves, well, this guy makes $13 million. That's a lot of dough. Yeah, but, you know, then Aaron Donald comes along and he signs a contract where he's getting fucking like $95 million in guarantees. And Khalil Mack is like, why am I putting my knees on the line for $13 million when I can get $95 million uh, or 89 or whatever the fuck it was? So sure enough, the Raiders are like, well, you know, Khalil should come to camp and then we'll talk about it, but we're finding him, but he should come to camp. And Khalil doesn't say anything. But then a couple days before the final preseason game, Khalil posts a picture on Twitter of himself pass rushing somebody, and he just writes the phrase, I miss it. And then Derek Carr, quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, replies to his tweet and writes, we miss you. He may have said, I miss you. Regardless, the sentiment was there. The Raiders want him back. All of the teammates, every player in the locker room recognizes what kind of a talent Khalil Mack is. And then it bleeds out that, wait a second. As we head into the final preseason weekend, perhaps the Raiders would be interested in moving Khalil Mack, but it's going to take a King's ransom. You're going to need to deal at least two first round picks. And the only team in the league that has two immediate first round picks that they can hand off to the goddamn Oakland Raiders would be the hated people in Illinois' hat, the Green Bay Packers. They've got two number ones next year. They could, they could lose those. You've already got Aaron Rodgers, who they just gave a billion dollars to. He's a fantastic quarterback. He's the best quarterback in football. Then you get Khalil Mack, who is, if not the best pass rusher, certainly a close number two to Von Miller. So then you'd have the fucking vicious Khalil Mack on defense. You'd have Aaron Rodgers behind center. And that's all I'm reading is that the Packers are the favorites. And then I'm reading Bears Twitter, and they're like, oh, man, if the fucking Packers get Khalil Mack, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. And I thought the same thing. But I also thought in my head, I'm like, well, I mean, you know, I'd love to take a run at him. I, I Pace is aggressive, but I don't see it happening. Cleveland's got a lot of picks. All these other teams have a lot of picks. And then I heard the Bears are one of the finalists. Uh, and again, like I said, this is two, three weeks ago. And then I'm driving in my car. Uh, I turn on the radio. I'm holding you close. You just say no. <laughs> I'm driving and it's very early in the morning, like 7 a.m. I've driven all night long and I get a text from my buddy Jim O'Donnell and I didn't get to read it because I was driving a passenger and all I, saw, I could see it though. It said, well, now this is getting interesting. That's all it said. And it had an attachment, which I could not check out. So I'm driving this person and uh, I drop them off and then I leave and I kind of forget about checking and I pick up another person and I drive them and uh, I make a couple more rides and then I pull over and I grab the phone. Uh, I'm not pinged yet. So I checked the, the, the text and it's from Jimmy and it says, the attachment is a headline, and it says, Chicago Bears have deal in place with Raiders for Mac. And at the time, I'm on Beverly, parked in front of Uncle Paulie's Deli, waiting to go get a breakfast sandwich, and I just, I fucking yell louder than I've yelled in probably five years. Check that. I yell louder than I've yelled in a week after I yelled at that kid in his face because <laughs> he slammed my door. Uh, but I lost my fucking mind. I, I was like, they're going to get Khalil Mack, and so I immediately dive into Twitter, and I'm like, what are they giving up? They got to be giving up. Are they giving up players? Are they giving up? And everybody's speculating, but nobody knows yet. But it looks like it's going to be the number one pick. So then I get in a fucking text wheelhouse with Jimmy and Ock and all my friends. And Ock is a Raider fan. And he's, he's 
nonplussed because the first thing he says is, well, Khalil Mack can't, can't play the run. Good luck, you guys, with against. And I'm just like, I don't, dude, I don't fucking care if he can play the run at this point. If he gets fucking 15 sacks, if he just runs and pins his ear back, he can let every running back run past him. I don't give He can be Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders couldn't play the run. He's in the fucking Hall of Fame. So I'm, I'm in my car and I'm getting juiced up and I'm reading stuff on Twitter. Everybody's laughing at the Bears. They're like, I can't believe the Bears will give up two number one picks. Uh-huh. They suck and Trubisky sucks and everybody sucks and the Bears suck. And why would they even do this? What a waste. And oh my God, they're going to have to pay him all this money too. And the Raiders are fucking geniuses. And I'm, I'm getting more fucking upset by it. And finally, I just I, I had to call Jimmy O. I called Jimmy O. He's on the bus to the fucking Michigan-Notre Dame game. He answers. And I just start screaming into the phone. I'm like, God damn it. Khalil Mack, 52, coming to Chicago. He's like, I know. It's amazing. I go, all these people are telling me this is a fucking mistake, that they're dealing number ones that they're going to miss. Who gives a fuck? Your number one picks now. You know what? Last year, you dealt a pick, and you dealt a pick this year. You know, you're going to deal these two number ones at a two? Fucking last year, you traded it for Anthony Miller at the draft, and now you're getting Khalil Mack. That's your two number ones. Next year's number one and number two draft pick are fucking Anthony Miller in the slot and Khalil Mack coming off the edge. Make this fucking trade. God damn it. And I'm, I'm he's laughing at me because I'm yelling. I'm going, get fucking pumped. I want to fucking hear it. I go, Ak is telling me you can't play the fucking run. I don't care. And he's yelling at me. I'm yelling at him. He's on a bus. And uh, and I let him go. And like I said, it's fucking eight in the morning, man. I call Woj and he picks up the phone and I'm like, God damn it, Woj. Pick up the goddamn phone when I called because Khalil Max a goddamn Chicago bear. And he's like, it's unbelievable. We're fucking doing it. And I go, die. And, and we started just fucking yelling. He's like, you're getting me pumped, Schmitty. I go, I'm getting you pumped because God damn it, the fucking bears are on board. And I told you, I'm 51. Sports shouldn't mean this much to me. I was excited, but not crazy. I was thrilled, but not a fucking nutbag. Up until I got that text that said things are about to get interesting. Things are things are getting interesting. And and Mac becomes a bear and I lose my mind. And that's it. And now, because now I'm in. I'm fucking, I, and now I'm like, holy shit. Because like I told you, the only thing they needed was a pass rush. They had all the weapons. They had Roquan Smith to stuff the run, go sideline to sideline. They had the fucking safeties, Eddie Jackson, these kids, Amakamura and Fuller back at corner, who were a little weak, but with a pass rush, you can cover up for that. But I didn't fucking care. I, I'm, you're going to get me the second best defensive player in football? Yeah, keep your J.J. Watt. I, I couldn't believe, I was fucking, because again, it's like when they got Cutler, they gave up two number ones, and I was just as excited then. That should probably tell you something. But still, I was really excited. Because when your team is aggressive and your team goes for it, it makes you happy. Because why do you watch sports? You watch them to be happy. You just want to like stuff. You want to be happy and distracted and have a good time. So they get Mac, and I go crazy. They play that weekend. Of course, Mac's not in the lineup. Roquan Smith, by the way, was late reporting to camp, so everybody's ripping him because he wanted to have a different contract where they was they gave these guarantees where he could get his money in case he was suspended with the new helmet rule. It was a bunch of bullshit, but Bears fans are like, he's letting the team down, man, because here's the thing about football fans. For some reason, they all support the owners. Like a player will hold out. There's a guy named Le'Veon Bell right now at the Steelers. He's uh, he's had the franchise tag put on him like the last couple years, and he doesn't want to play for it. There's another running back named Todd Gurley in the NFL. He just got $45 million in guarantees. Well, that's what Le'Veon Bell wants. He wants at least $50 million in guarantees, and he deserves it. He's been the number one back in football the last few years. And the Steelers are like, nah, because running back is a fungible fucking position. And they can get rid of him after the year. They can franchise tag him. They can run him in the fucking ground and then cut him loose. Because that's how the NFL works. It's a goddamn sausage factory. So he's holding out, and the fans are letting him have it. 
oh man, look at you. You don't care about winning. You don't care about the team. You know, no, no, dude. These motherfuckers have a have a shelf life of four years, maybe. Running backs less. They're getting hit on every goddamn play. These dudes are banging into one another like goddamn mountain goats, turning their brains into applesauce on a hillside somewhere for your amusement. So if a guy's a little forward thinking and he wants to think to himself, hey, I'd like to have uh, some money for my kids put away before I start drooling on myself, then get off the guy's fucking back. But that's the fan with his tiny megaphone. Le'Veon Bell's not a winner. If he was, he'd be in Steeler camp. Oh, the Bears are fucking stupid. They're not one player away. Why are they trading two number ones and giving back all this money? And they did give him all the money because they signed him and then they signed him to, they, they traded for him and signed him to a six year deal for like $140 million, 90 million of which was guaranteed. He's the number one paid defensive player in football. And, uh, you know what? Good for him. Get every fucking dime. I'm a Bears fan, but at the same time, you know what? If you're really good at what you do, get paid for it and get paid more than fucking anybody. And uh, come here and save this franchise. Because that's another thing. Khalil Mack, if you read anything about the guy, you know, he was raised by a good family. He loves his parents. He dedicates himself to work ethic. He wants to be a leader in every sense of the word in the locker room. So you're not just paying for a guy to come in and fucking rush. It's not like some wide receiver who's talking a bunch of shit and saying, hey, man, throw me the ball. Khalil Mack wants to go out and kill guys and then point at his friends and go, yeah, you see what we did there? Instead of just him, he's not taking the glory. So you're getting a good player. You're getting a good guy. You're getting a clubhouse presence. And uh, when I say good player, I underestimate. You're getting you're getting at least the second best defensive player in football. Don't at me, JJ Watt fans. Uh, sure enough, they sign him, and I go crazy. So that that was it. I I told you I should not at all. I should not care this much about sports. I've decided before I'm not going to care that much about sports. But when you sign Khalil Mack. When you make all these other moves, when you bring in this new regime, I, uh, I, I became fully invested. I was, I was too messant. I was hard for the Bears. That was it. This was the year. Uh, I thought they were going to be maybe seven and nine, eight and eight. They get Khalil Mack in my brain. I'm like, they can go ten and six and make the playoffs. When you're in the playoffs, you've got wrecking machines like fucking Khalil Mack. Good things can happen. And even if it's just the first year, making the playoffs would be ridiculous. And then setting the stage because everybody's under contract. This is the thing. There's no upcoming free agents. They have cap space. Then they wind up giving fucking Eddie Goldman a huge deal. He's a fucking linchpin defensive lineman. I mean, they've paid all the people they're supposed to pay. And I'm ready. And I'm here for it. So last week, all week long, I couldn't wait. Because they had their coming out party on Sunday. The new Chicago Bears, led by Matt Nagy. Mark Helfrich. Holdover Vic. Fucking Fangio. Dude, the, the, uh, Trubisky, new offense, weapons, Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith. Dude, I was excited. And I spent the week looking forward to Sunday. I couldn't wait. I uh, Look, I like football anyway. I know a lot of other people are like, uh, boo, football now, whatever. Yeah, I. it's a dangerous sport, and I hope all of the players playing it are safe and make as much money as they possibly can. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to watch every fucking second of it. I love it. I, I love football. I do. I've gotten away from it the last few years, but when your team is good, when you're expecting good things, it's easier to be invested. And uh, I became invested in the Bears. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, I've been invested before. 2006, they win the, the, the fucking NFC title. They go to the Super Bowl. 2013, it comes down to the final game. I actually go to it when they're trying to win a division title. Uh, and you're invested, but it's fun. You know, you try to, you try to remember that it's fun. 
So I was invested last week. I couldn't wait. And so, like I said, I was kind of frozen all week. You know, I did some things. I went out and ran some errands. I cleaned the fucking apartment. I drove on Friday. I drove on Saturday. But I knew Sunday night the game was was uh, was going to be an event. My brother Lenny was coming back to town. He was going to be off a ship. He asked me to pick him up Saturday night at the airport and then go and watch the game with him on Sunday. At uh, You might remember it was last year, I believe, that I described going to a game in what was essentially an opium den. Uh, it was just a bunch of dudes getting fucking high. And I went out on the patio because I had a fucking low level headache from just walking in and just and having the whole place smell like fucking Brando's cave and apocalypse now. Uh, but I was on board. I'm like, fuck it. Uh, and, and I wanted to, I wanted to see it in a place with a bunch of bear fans. I didn't want to, and bear fans. I knew I didn't want to go to a bar. I wanted to see it with Lenny. I wanted to see it with, I just, I just wanted to have fun and yell and watch the new bears arrive. Now I would say I was a little worried. I can't lie about that because uh, their first game was on Sunday night football. So they're in front of the national audience and they're playing the Packers. Would I have preferred the new offense and the new defense to gel a little bit before seeing Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely. I would have liked to see them in week three or week four when we got a couple of games under our belt. Uh, do I want to be exposed to the next? Because I'll tell you what, the Bears sucked so bad last year. They're only on national TV twice this year. Uh, once the opening week and now uh, once next week. They're on Monday Night Football against the Seahawks. After that, the only way they'll make it is if they're a good team and they get flexed into different spots. But as far as scheduled, they were only scheduled to be on uh, one Sunday night and one Monday night game. And they were in consecutive weeks to open the season. So daunting to open in front of a national audience with a whole new offense, a whole new defense, a whole new attitude. Patty LaBelle is there. Uh, but I didn't, then, I, you know, I fucking talked myself into it. I'm like, fuck it. I'm in, I'm on board. Cause you know what? If you're going to do it, this is the time. Let them get used to the goddamn spotlights. Let them get used to the fucking accolades. Let them get used to the whole nation staring at them. Cause if they're going to be as good as I think they are, this is not going to be a one or two week occurrence. They're going to get flexed. They're going to be on TV plenty this year. Uh, so I get to, I get to this guy's house. I don't think I can say his name and I show up and it was funny. I said to Lenny, I go, Hey man, uh, cause you know, I'm gun shy about going to this dude's house. Cause I don't, I don't know him very well. Uh, but he was very, very nice to me and he invited me to come and he's like, anytime you want to come, you can. And I, and that's very cool, but I haven't abused the privilege. Uh, so this was only my second game there. You know, it's my first time back since, uh, you know, I had to get my, I had to get blood poisoning from, from fucking Santa Mia. Uh, so I asked Lenny, I'm like, dude, what can I bring to, to the house? Like, what can I bring? And he's like, dude, you don't have to bring anything. He's got a, he's got a chef who makes breakfast. He's usually got a woman who makes dinner. There's food there for everybody. Oh yeah, but I can't show up empty. He goes, well, I usually, Lenny's like, I usually bring a bottle of scotch. He goes, cause I know, he, I know I'll drink it and Steve will drink it and another guy will drink it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't dude, I'm not a booze dude. I go, I'll bring beers. You want me to bring like a couple of six packs of IPAs or something? He goes, nah, man, it's, that's not a beer house. And I'm, thank God, because it's fucking, you know, weed central. And then I'm like, oh my God, do I have to stop and get weed? Am I that guy now? Like everybody else goes to fucking Costco and gets a pile of brownie bites. I'm going to show up with fucking weed. And it couldn't possibly be as good as the weed that they have. So what's the point? So Lenny goes, you know, you can bring fruit. I said, what? He goes, bring fruit, man. Like bring a fruit plate. That's always good in the middle of the day. He goes, guys have been there all day. They're eating fucking like heavy food. Bring some fruit, man. I said, you serious? He goes, yeah, bring fruit. So uh, Sunday comes along and I start to get ready to go. And Lenny told Lenny was going early in the morning. He's like, what time are you going? I go, dude, I'm not going till game time. I got to drive during the day. He goes, okay. He goes, well, I'm going to go over probably halftime of the first games. He goes, cause it's the only time this year I can go. So I want to be there early to check it out. I said, fantastic. I'll meet you over there. So I leave my house. The game's at five 30. 
But I want to get there by 5.15, get a decent seat, whatever the fuck, acclimate myself, say hi. So I leave the house at, uh, I think it was like 4.40. I stop at a grocery store called Ralph's next to my house. And I'm like, all right, what am I going to bring? I go, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to bring fruit. The dude said, bring fruit. I'm bringing fruit. So then I thought about being a smart ass and just bringing a bunch of apples. And I'm like, that's fucking dumb. Don't do that. Bring something nice. So I found, I asked this guy, I'm like, Hey, and by the way, this dude, fucking white dude with ear gauges is a produce guy at my grocery store. And he was wearing a Kaepernick Niners Jersey. I was like, good for you, man. Good for you. Just fucking letting it fly. I asked him, Hey man, are any fruit plates around? He's like in the back corner over there. So I went and I grabbed one. Uh, and look, I don't, I will tell you this. I like fruit, but I don't, I, fruit plate's always bad because it's always four pounds of cantaloupe, four pounds of honeydew, the top of a pineapple and one strawberry. I mean, nobody wants to fucking eat that garbage. So, uh, so I look and sure enough, they've got a couple of fruit plates that are the majority are cantaloupe and honeydew, but it's also got some pineapples and strawberries and some, uh, some grapes inside it. So I'm like, all right, I can grab one of those. Uh, you know, grab just, just grab two of those and you'll be fine. So I did, I grabbed two and I took like 10 steps and I go, fuck this man. I don't, I don't like melon. And Lenny's like, don't bring something. You're not going to eat yourself. And I'm not going to eat melon. I would have eaten all the strawberries and fucking pineapples. Uh, but I turned around, I went back, I put one of them back and I kept the other just in case some fucking stoner likes melon. And I went ahead and I grabbed a, uh, a container of pineapple and a container of strawberries, like a, like a two pound container of strawberries and like a pound and a half of pineapple. Uh, cause look, you know, they're all hungry. They got the munchies. Everybody wants to go ahead and, and they don't want these guys to get scurvy. That's important. When you're in your house in the dark all day, smoking weed, there's a possibility you could get scurvy unless one of your guests brings a pile of strawberries. So I get the fruit, I get in the car and I get a phone call from Lenny and, uh, he's like, where are you? I said, I'm on my way to the game. I go, what about you? He goes, yeah, me too. I go, you're supposed to be there earlier. He goes, no. And I go, well, I'm, I'm in the car, man. I'm, I'm just getting on the freeway now, which means I'd already passed his house, which is good because I don't want to fucking go pick him up. He's like, all right, dude. He goes, I'll see you over there. Are you going to make it by kickoff? And he goes, yeah, definitely. So I said, all right. And if he would have asked me to pick him up, of course, I would have picked him up, but he didn't. So I get on the freeway and I'm driving on the, up the 101. Uh, and sure enough, all of a sudden I get from at the 101-405 interchange and everybody starts to slow down brake lights. The fucking map says everything's fine. There's no red fucking streets, but everybody slows down. I look up and there's a cop. And he's doing that bullshit maneuver where he's just swerving across every goddamn lane. It's a five lane highway and he's swerving across all of it to make sure none of us pass him. What the fuck, man? So now it's like five after five. And, and I, in my head, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Cause I still got like 10 minutes to get there. He's swerving, swerving, swerving. And we're all just dead stop. Finally, he just stops the car in the middle of the freeway on an angle and he gets out. And in my head, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Are there torches? Is there a, is there a fucking accident? Is there a dog on the freeway? Like, what the fuck is happening? If I miss this fucking kickoff, dude, does he not know that Matt Nagy is a fucking Bears coach now? Doesn't he know that Trubisky has an array of weapons? Doesn't he know that fucking Mark Helfrich is in there fucking calling the offense? Khalil Mack is making his debut. Get the fuck out of my way, cop. Uh, and I text Lenny and I go, dude, a fucking cop has just stopped traffic on the 101. I don't even know what to fucking do here. Like, I want to go around, but I'm in the farthest left lane. And I'm, I'm like, I'm losing my mind. I'm talking to texting. I'm like, this makes no fucking sense. Why the fuck is he stopping traffic? I mean, I can't imagine he got out of the car and he's just walking around. Like, what is he doing? I know the president isn't in town. And as I'm saying this, uh, he walks over, he gets back into his cruiser, and then he just drives off. So I may have been worked up for nothing, but certainly there was a delay due to his actions. But now uh, fucking traffic dissipates and I just floor it. I pull up, I get off at my exit. I make a couple of twisty turns, cross over a major street. I got to go up into the hills because this guy's rich. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Let's go back to my fucking room. I get in there, I park in the fucking, and I got an address. I got an address to go to. 
I park where he lives. I go walking up and I go to the address and uh, it looks deserted. Not only does it look deserted, but the fucking yard is overrun with weeds. And I go to the front door and there's a gate that's locked with a padlock. Like, what the fuck is happening? So I text Lenny. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is his address? And he's like, what do you mean? I go, I'm here. He goes, okay, well, go in. You got to go in into the driveway past the dinosaur. I think I may have told you that last year. This guy has a giant dinosaur in his yard. And when you walk past it, you're immediately in the wiffle ball stadium in the backyard. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. But in the front, in the driveway, he's got a dinosaur. So I go, dude, there's no driveway. There's no dinosaur. There's a padlock on the fucking gate. And he goes, what address are you at? And I send it to him and he goes, well, I know it's that road. So, uh, I, and the thing is, I should tell you this. I'm holding my cooler, a bottle of water. And I've got four fucking fruit things I'm holding. I got a fucking fruit plate. I got fucking two things, two pounds of strawberries. I got fucking pineapples. So I'm just trying not to drop shit, man. So I fucking walk down to the center of the street and I look around and and I'm at the address, but then I turn my head and I'm looking, I'm scanning and all of a sudden, boom, dinosaur. I see him in the driveway. I walk in, walk past him, head into the house. I open the side door and I'm immediately hit into the face with some fucking tie stick nonsense. And I get wheezy. And everybody's like, hey, and I go, hey, I brought fruit. And they're like, what? I go, yeah, I brought fruit. Lenny said to bring fruit. They're like, all right, put it on the counter. Awesome. (laughs) I put it in. I go outside. and That's where all the Bear fans are outside on the patio. I see some guys. Uh, I see some comedians that I know. I see some fellas I don't know. I see some familiar faces. But I get out there and I get ready for the kickoff. And then Lenny shows up just in time for the kickoff. And uh, the Bears line up. They must have deferred because they're getting the, uh, they're kicking off to the Packers. So we're going to get to see Khalil Mack. And uh, look, I'm not going to do a play-by-play. I've already done more than enough by telling you how many driveways I walked into. But I'm going to tell you this. Uh, the first half of Sunday's game, if you came to me, and this is a cliche, but it's a true one, folks. If you came to me and said, Mike, can you do me a favor? Can you write me a script? of exactly how you want the first half of the Bears game against the Packers to go and turn it in. Uh, I would have written exactly what happened. I can't stress enough how perfect the first half was. The Bears terrorized Aaron Rodgers. They actually knocked him out with an injury to his knee. He fell down and he got up and he had to limp off. Uh, Roquan Smith, who had not played the entire preseason, comes in for his first play in the National Football League, and he blitzes and gets a sack on the backup quarterback for the Packers. The place goes crazy. Uh, by, by the place, I mean some Bear fans and the sideline. Khalil Mack is a fucking... Oh, the first drive, I should, the Bears, they stop him on a three and out. They get the ball. On the first drive, Trubisky goes seven for seven, and they score a touchdown to go up seven or nothing. No, no bogging down in the red zone. No kicking a fucking field goal. They march right down the fucking field and score. They're up 7 to nothing. They stop the Packers again. They kick a field goal to make it 10 nothing. Then they knock Rodgers out of the game. Then they're fucking blitzing. They're coming at it. Khalil Mack, the, the Packers all of a sudden, they bring in their, they rally behind their backup quarterback. They get down to the Bears' 10-yard line. Khalil Mack comes in on a blitz, smashes the fucking quarterback, steals the ball out of his hands and just and, and lands with the ball in his hands. Sack, strip, fumble, fumble recovery. Holy fuck, all in one play. Then... The Bears' offense uh, doesn't get much done, but they punt. And uh, the Packers get the ball back, and they're down within inside their 20. And, and, and my apologies, they're probably inside their 40. And, and the Bears send a blitz on the backup. He starts to get hit and fall backwards by Roy Robertson-Harris. Khalil Mack intercepts the pass and runs it in for a fucking touchdown. Bears up 17-0 in Lambeau. Silence. 
Rodgers on a cart to the locker room, tears in his eyes, and I'm not exaggerating, literally wet eyes. You could see it. He's just frustrated. Now, he's not a, I'm not saying he's a pussy or a baby or he's hurt, but I mean, the pain must have been really great for him to get watery eyes. In the middle of it, I get a text from Jamie, a listener to the show, and she's just like, holy fuck, Khalil fucking Mac. And I'm like, yeah. And I even said that thing. I was like, look, if, if, if you wanted me to write a script, this is exactly what I would have done. This is ridiculous. Uh, on Twitter, people are writing me. They're like, bear down, fucking bears. This is amazing. And I, I'm just, I'm, we're, I'm going crazy. I'm cheering with my friends. I'm jumping up. I kept doing this thing where I kept taking my glasses off to prove how serious I was. Standing under the screen, doing the stew look. I mean, we were just wild, wild. Halftime comes. And uh, we're all mad because they start talking about Aaron Rodgers and the loss of Aaron Rodgers and how big the loss of Aaron Rodgers is. We're like, dude, how about the addition of Khalil Mack? Can we talk about how big the addition of Khalil Mack is? Fuck the loss of Rodgers, the addition of Mack. And I'm not a guy who gets mad at announcers. I hate that. When people are like, my team doesn't get any respect. How come my didn't guy didn't win the Cy Young Award? Nobody gives a fuck. Why should you even care if a guy on your team wins Rookie of the Year? It's stupid. Just root for your team to win. And if they don't win, have fun. But again, I was invested. And then they fucking blitzkrieg them in the first half. They're up 17 nothing at the half. They get the opening kickoff of the second half. They march down. They kick another field goal. They're up 20 to nothing with nine minutes left in the third quarter. Nine minutes left. And then the Bears kick off. And Aaron Rodgers limps back into the game. And uh, look, I know Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. But he starts taking snaps, and he can't even put weight on his left leg. You can see the outline of a brace. I mean, this guy is hurt, but even hurt, he's dangerous. So they stuff him on the first two plays, and then it gets to be third and 15 because of a penalty. And on third and 15, Rodgers hits a fucking crossing receiver for 20. And I, I even said out loud, I go, that's a bad sign. And guys are like, what's up? And I go, dude, you can't, you can't let them convert third and long because then they get confidence. The whole point was to keep stepping on this team's neck. They start converting, especially with him, because with Rodgers in the game, they, they weren't throwing deep. They weren't doing, they were just throwing these quick timing patterns and there's nobody better. There's nobody better than Rodgers and Brady at that. But Rodgers, I would say is, is even better. He knows where his receivers are going to be. He's in full command of the offense. He's a fucking genius. And he just starts carving the bears up going down the field and the bears are missing tackles. I mean, it's just, it's just bad. And then uh, he hits a touchdown pass and it's 17 to seven. Or 20 to 7. It's 20 to 7 because we hit the field goal in the top of the third. Uh, to start the third. Top of the third. And uh, and I'm like, all right. I go, well, that's bad. You'd like to hold them and hold them to a fucking field goal. But, I'll, you know, 20 to 7, that's fine. And then over the next half hour, 45 minutes, the Bears offense can't do anything. They're going three and out. And here's the thing. Rodgers is not stupid. He's He's the best quarterback in the league for a reason. So he comes back out after the three and out. And they start running the no huddle. Well, the no huddle is incredibly effective because the Bears' defense never played in the preseason. This is Khalil Mack's first game. This is Roquan Smith's first game. And the other guys have only played like one quarter of preseason football. So they're they're in game shape, but they're not in fucking midseason condition. So he starts running the hurry-up offense, and they're hitting these little quick hitters, so the guys have to chase the receivers, and the Bears are playing this fucking—they have a slow white linebacker who can't cover anybody, and he's getting burned over the middle consistently, and I'm just going, oh, this is bad. This is bad because they're gassed. Rodgers hits a touchdown pass that that I don't think five quarterbacks in the last 30 years could throw. It just skims 
Kyle Fuller's fingers and is caught by the, the receiver in the in the end zone. It's a touchdown, and there and and the place is going nuts. You give them life, you can't give them life. Bears are missing tackles. The Bears just aren't getting it done. It's it's just it's a shame to watch. And the Bears go three and out, and then the Packers start just running again. And they're fuck. I mean, dude, it was just you're watching a collapse. And then you get to the fourth quarter, and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. And then and Rodgers is just schooling them. Now the Bears do clamp down eventually. Okay, uh, Green Bay has to kick a field goal, and uh, it's twenty to seventeen. And I'm like, dude, a fucking touchdown's going to beat us, but that's okay. So then the Bears, after going three and out like six possessions in a row, they get the ball, and they march, and uh, they convert a couple of third downs. And I'm like, all right, you know what? The best thing is you're getting the defense some rest. And then we're all grasping at, grasping at that straw, by the way, because before we were killing them, we're high five. We're like, fuck the Packers, fuck these guys. And now we're like, you know what? Let's get the defense some rest. Now they can go ahead and relax. They can rest, maybe get massages. Maybe we get them some strawberries. Are any of those strawberries left? Let's do something because right now our defense can barely stand up and Trubisky's got to get it done. And that's the guy that our, you know, that our eggs are in the Trubisky basket. Mac is Mac. He's proven to be Mac, but Trubisky isn't anything yet. Just hope. So on this drive in the fourth quarter, he leads the Bears down and uh, he converts a couple of third downs and we're all excited. But I should tell you this, like in the middle of the quarter on a third and one, the Bulls, the Bears stop running the ball. They start running these gadget tosses to the tight end. It's like, dude, you're third and one. You got a back who can gain over a thousand yards a season. Just fucking run forward, plunge into the goddamn line. And I understood it. Like I'm in my head. I'm like, all right, Nagy, I get it. You're, you're crafty. I was excited for your craftiness. And here's the thing. This is so stupid. When the bears hired Mark Tressman, when they started to lose, you're like, holy fuck, dude, will you stop throwing those bubble screens? Will you just run the fucking ball? So then they fire him and they hired John Fox. And you're watching John Fox in your head. You're like, dude, could you just, could you just stop running the ball directly into the line? Try you mix in a fucking bubble screen. Could you do that? Possibly. There's the bears bringing Nagy and, uh, and in it, you're just like going, run the ball. Dude, could you just stop throwing that tight end hitch pass and run the goddamn ball? Uh, and again, like I said, I shouldn't be this invested. But I'm watching the game unfold and the Bears get down and they're on like the 15-yard line. And uh, on third and one, there's two minutes and 32 seconds left in the game. All you got to do on third and one is if you run it into the line, you're they're dead. They have one, They have two timeouts left. The Packers have two timeouts left and the two-minute warning. All you got to do is run into the line. If you convert the third and one, they've got it. It's going to go either going to go down to the two-minute warning or they're going to burn a timeout, which is more likely. But you're just but then you just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And if you get into the end zone, great. But otherwise, you kick a fucking field goal. On third and one, Trubisky goes back to pass. They thought they had a gadget play that would work. They ran Tariq Cohen on a wheel route into the end zone, but a fucking lineman decided to stay with him. Out of nowhere, he made a brilliant play and stayed with fucking the Swiss Army knife. And he just folded it and put it away. And Trubisky had to fucking eat it. There was nothing he could do. He forces a pass and then it's dropped. Incomplete pass stops the clock. Motherfucker. So now there's like two minutes and 20 seconds left. The Packers have two timeouts and the two minute warning. And also, by the way, they have fucking Aaron Rodgers. Even if you kick a field goal here, you're only up six. And in my brain, I was like, I, I can see this coming a mile away. Everyone can see it coming. Bears kick the field goal. They're up six. And and my buddy Steve can't even watch. He walks into the yard. And, uh, and I'm like, this is bad. And everybody's like, man, don't worry about it. I go, no, no, this is, this is rough, dude. 
you can't give Rodgers a chance to beat you because you know what? It's magic. You can't give the other team the other team opportunity for fucking magic. Hester's return, you don't waste magic. Khalil Mack strip sack, you don't waste magic. Khalil Mack interception return for a touchdown. Up 17 to nothing on the road, 20 to nothing with nine minutes left in the third quarter. You can't waste magic. But the problem is the other team has the fucking best magician in the world, Bunder Center. So we kick off. They get the ball at the 25. Rogers first play, they run a fucking rub route, which means there's uh basically they're setting up a, a hitch pass with blocking so the receiver can create in space. So I don't know what happens, but there's miscommunication between the best magician in the world and his receiver. The guy stops running. Rogers throws the ball to a spot. And who's in the spot? Number 23 of your Chicago Bears. Now, I know what you're thinking. When you think of 23 in the Chicago Bears, you think of Devin Hester. Well, unfortunately, this time it's not the magician Devin Hester. However, it is the aforementioned Kyle Fuller. All-pro cornerback Kyle Fuller. Restricted free agent signed to an offer sheet sought by the Packers in the offseason, Kyle Fuller. Offer sheet matched by Ryan Pace because he didn't want to lose all-pro cornerback Kyle Fuller. Standing in the spot, Rodgers throws the ball. I mean, it's it's going to hit him in the chest. He's, he's going to catch the ball and fall down and the Bears are going to win. Rodgers zips it out. Fuller's right there. The ball, I mean, it it hits him. In the midsection, there's nothing he can do. There's there's no, you can't miss this ball. If somehow this ball is a pointed end, it sticks in his chest and kills him. It's that dead on. Fuller looks up, balls on the way, hits him in the chest and the crook of the elbow and he drops it. And you hear a noise from Studio City that sounds like five coyotes just got caught in a fucking wood chipper. All of us in the backyard fucking yell. We just scream. No! Fuller just claps his hands. He shakes his head. And his teammates pick him up. And we're and I and I just go, that's terrible, guys. That's bad. And they're like, well, yeah, but it doesn't matter, you know, Rogers. And I'm like, dudes. And Lenny and Lenny's mad at me because he's like, dude, don't be that guy. And I, and I get it. I understand that. But the thing is, here's where I am. I, I've, I've allowed myself to care. I've allowed myself to care. So what I'm doing now is I'm laying the groundwork for it not to hurt so bad. If you recognize <laughs> inevitable defeat, you can blunt its effects. Fuller drops the pass. Next play, Rodgers goes back to throw. And uh, the Bears put the rush on him. He steps to his left. Now, I got to tell you, on December 29th of 2013, fourth and fucking eight, Rodgers, the Bears put the pressure on him with a blitz, and he stepped to his left. And he looked deep, and Chris Conti was not there. Randall Cobb was. To the point where I can still hear Joe Buck yell, Cobb! Once I got home and I watched the video of it. Because I watched it live, and I heard every... You know what? I heard all the air go out of the arena. I may have heard fucking Joe Buck yell Cobb at Soldier Field. Second and 15, or second and 10, the Bears come after Fuller drops the pass. Rodgers moves to his left. And uh, as he's moving, the Bears are moving with him. And then Randall Cobb goes on a crossing pattern across the middle and fucking Rodgers hits him in stride. 
and there's there's not a bear within three yards of him. And he catches the pass. Cobb! Catches the pass and turns up field. And, and I literally just hear one, oh, no, from somebody on the patio. And, uh, and Cobb just keeps running. Quite frankly, he might still be running. Khalil Mack, who this is his first game on a football field all year, he pursues the entire way, but he can't catch Randall Cobb. He gets close at the five, and Cobb gets into the end zone. Touchdown Packers. They show Rodgers. He's not, he's not even like really celebrating. He's acting like he fucking knew. And, and I don't blame him. The best magician in the fucking world knows his tricks. And he knows they're always going to work. So, Cobb, Cobb scores. And now the Bears have just under two minutes to, to get something done. They've got time. We're like, all right, you got two timeouts. You got two minutes. All you need is a field goal. The problem is we don't have the best magician in the world. We have his apprentice who's learning. And uh, he doesn't have the best tricks. So he's not sure that they're going to work. And Trubisky, who the Bears traded up with uh, the Niners to get, and they were ridiculed by some people, and I and not by me because I was excited. Um, they, uh, Trubisky gets on the field, and he plays like a second-year quarterback. He has happy feet. He's overshooting receivers. He's he's undershooting receivers. It gets to be fourth and nine. And then he forces a pass that goes nowhere. However, one of the Packers veterans, a guy named Clay Matthews Jr., who's probably their best pass rusher, makes probably the stupidest roughing the passer penalty I've ever seen. He commits the, the stupidest penalty I've ever seen in my years of watching football. Fourth and nine, you know this is the game. Trubisky lets the ball go. Matthews still takes two and a half steps and jacks Trubisky in the helmet with his helmet. I mean, it's wrong on like 15 different fucking levels. So it's an incomplete pass, but the Bears get the ball and they get 15 yards. So now you're you're up around like the 35. And you're like, all right, well, all you need now is 30 yards for a field goal. And then Trubisky, uh, to put it kindly, <laughs> doesn't get it done. He's missing guys. He's he's scrambling. He's falling. He he looks completely out of his element. He looked like a kid who was nervous to be playing his first game in Lambeau Field, and and rightfully so. He looked like a kid who was swallowed up by the enormity of the moment, and that was uh, not promising to see your franchise, future franchise quarterback, the guy they've invested so much in, to see him look lost. And, uh, and it's funny because afterwards everybody's like, well, it's Trubisky. Well, he's young. Well, it's, he'll come around. I'm like, yeah, he's not that young anymore, man. He played all last year. Yeah. But you know, it was a different team and a different offense. Yeah. But it wasn't about the offense. It was about the poise. It was about him putting throws too high or behind guys and missing guys. And, and yes, it's week one. Yes. I get that it's week one and I, I'm not going to grab my tiny megaphone and shout into the heavens about how fucking bad it is and the Bears suck and the Trubisky trade sucked. I'm not going to do that because I don't believe that. But I will tell you, Jesus Christ, that it hurt. It's not supposed to anymore. Sports aren't supposed to hurt like that anymore. 
I, I thought I'd, I'd passed it. There was no point. Sports shouldn't mean that much. I'm 51 years old. But, uh, but I sat there and, and I, and I literally, I got up once it ended right when it was over. I go, all right. I looked at Lenny. I go, let's get out of here. Cause I was taking over the airport. He goes, well, hold on. I got to talk to the guys. I'm like, all right. Uh, I walked away from the TV and, and I will tell you this. I was sick to my stomach and, and I know that shouldn't be, I know that doesn't make sense, but I allowed myself to care and, uh, and I allowed myself to care. And also they were doing it. They were up 20 to nothing with nine minutes left in the third. If they got thrashed from the jump, you could kind of do that thing where you're like, ah, well, you know, first game jitters and who knows? No, they were, they were dominating that team. And then Rodgers comes in and they completely fall apart. It, it looked like they took it, took it for granted. It was weird. Like, dudes, you guys haven't earned anything yet. You got to fucking still punch them in the mouth. They stopped punching the Packers in the mouth. Or at least maybe they tried and Rodgers was just, he just had too much of a dodge game for him. And then he landed all every punch the rest of the fucking night. And it, dudes, it fucking hurt. It hurt. I, I, I can't lie. And it hurt for another reason too, because not only did they lose, you know, especially after leading by as much as they did. And, and my brother, you know, other people are like, well, you know what, man, they dominated early. It's a young team. They got to get it together. I'm like, yeah, but this was the moment. And everybody's like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, you know, they're, they're think about that first half. It was fucking amazing. How, yeah. And then this was an absolute choke job. They're like, Mike, you got to let it go. And I'm like, dude, this was a choke. You can't, you can't look at this and go, well, we'll take a positive from this. Dude, we were up 20 to nothing on the road against our hated rival. And we lost in the worst, most backbreaking fashion. And our quarterback did not look like the quarterback we want him to be. And everybody's like, man, we can't talk to you, dude. You're a fucking bummer. And I'm like, yeah, I go, that's the reason I, I can't. It shouldn't matter to me. This should not fucking matter to me. Now, I'm not saying they suck. I'm not saying he sucks. I'm not saying this sucks. I'm not saying the season's over. But in that moment, uh, man, it hurt. And it hurt not only because they lost. It hurt because of the fashion in which they lost. And it hurt because I, I, will, t- I will tell you this. I genuinely enjoy sports talk radio. And I genuinely enjoy social media regarding sports. There's publications I read, The Athletic. I go to ESPN. I listen to sports talk radio. I go on social media. There's some bloggers, bear bloggers and stuff. I like to follow them. I read all their stuff every day. It's interesting and fun to me. And that's what I did all off season. And that's one of the reasons I got so pumped because these guys were excited too. And then when they got Mac, forget it. Everything exploded off the goddamn charts. And I was pumped. I was thrilled. I was excited. I was ready. I invested. It mattered to me again. It shouldn't, but it did. And for them to get fucking kneecapped like that. Jesus Christ. So not only did I know they lost, but now it stole the game for me, but also Aaron Rodgers, they, they stole joy from me. The joy of, of certainly a victory, but also the joy of hearing people talk about the victory. You know, that's half the, half the battle is hearing. Like I said, I'm not that sports media guy who's like, oh my God, I don't want, why didn't my guy win MVP? But when your team is good, you like to hear them say it. So all this, this past week, it could have been, it could have been them listening to the NFL radio and other sports and people talking about the coming out party of Khalil Mack 
And hey, maybe the Bears are the monsters of the midway, and maybe they asserted themselves by beating a hated rival, and and I would get to listen on sports talk and social media and hear and hear all those things. But instead, I went, I don't I can't read anything. It it took that away from me, something that I love to do. I went, I'm not going to do it. Because I knew that that Packers fans and Raiders fans, Packers fans because they hate the Bears anyway, and, and they got all every right in the in the world to crow. They they should. They've got the fucking best magician in the world, the quarterback. And they won. They took it, they took it and won. But Packers fans and Raiders fans on social media, because like I said, when the Bears got Khalil Mack, the Raiders were like, well, you still suck. Doesn't matter. Your quarterback's terrible. And you're just like, fuck that. Our quarterback's a badass. It's going to be amazing. This team doesn't have a hole now. We just went and got our pass rusher. But now Raiders fans, they had a, they had a bulldozer. Ha ha. Told you one man doesn't make a team. And I know it shouldn't matter, but it does. It does just because I'd see it, just because I'd read it, just because I knew it existed. I knew it would be there. And I didn't, I didn't want, I couldn't, I couldn't. So I was going to have to walk away. I couldn't put on sports radio. Literally that night I got in the car. I turned low and I dropped Lenny at the airport. I put on just for a quick, I put on the NFL radio. They're like, Aaron Rodgers, unbelievable. The bears, what a choke. And I just went, that's it. That's all I'm going to listen to. I couldn't listen to the rest because I, and this will sound ridiculous. I don't mean this to the level it sounds, but I was, I was going to be inconsolable because they lost. There was no getting around it. There was no good to take from that. Everybody's like, oh no, dude, the fucking defense looked great. And it's just, you know, it was like, you know, Rogers beats you. I'm like, yeah, but they lost and they lost in the most crushing fashion. Jamie texted me. She's like, I spoke too soon. People on Twitter are like, dude, I spoke too soon. And I'm just like, I wrote Jamie back and I said, this is an absolute choke job. I go, they were up 20 to nothing. I, I go, this is, this is, I can't even explain. I, I, I don't think I'd even text her. I just trailed off. Because I let sports matter. I let it back in. And uh, and I will tell you this. You know, I mentioned those other losses. I mentioned, I mentioned the Super Bowl loss. You know, in February of 2007. Well, you know, when they lost the Super Bowl, uh, I still, I had a writing job. You know, I was doing Never Not Funny and I was feeling really good about it. Uh, I had a wife <laughs> and a decent home life. And, uh, and I went home that night and I had crazy sex. It was awesome. I was like, well, you know, they lost the game, but that's fine. It was fun. I had a good time with my friends. I brought all the Chicago beef. We had fun. And, uh, and that was great. I was able to find another thing to dive into. Literally. I talk about that other loss in, in December of, th- of 2013. You know, the Bears lost the division title at home to the Packers. And, and all this, the air went out of the stadium and I sat there just stunned. And then I turned to my right and I, I was just starting a relationship. And there was Jill in her little Packer suit with her fucking huge smile. And I took a picture and I posted it at the time. And I was just like, well, 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 motherfuckers. So even though I was fucking bummed, we still had that weird friendly rivalry thing between she and I. And, and I could feel happy for her. I could feel good for her. Uh, and even though I was disappointed and upset, but it didn't matter because sports doesn't really matter. What mattered was I had somebody who loved me and we left that night. And I, I, I can still tell you every moment we spent leaving soldier field and walking in the cold, couldn't feel our feet. The snow started to fall. We went to a tapas restaurant. Uh, we took pictures of her hand on top of my hand and, uh, and we went back to the hotel and almost broke a headboard. I mean, we had just had fucking crazy sex that night. So I was able to find a way to, to, to escape it because it didn't matter. It was just fun. It was silly. 
but this game, <laughs> uh, I invested and I invested in a way I haven't invested since, since those games. And also Cobb, Cobb did it again. Dude, are you kidding me? Seriously? And this time when the game ended, I, I had no never not funny or writing job. I, I had no Jill perfect smile and a headboard to break. I had none of those things. I had me and I had Lenny go into the airport and then I had the radio telling me about the bears choke job and I, and I turned it off and I, and I felt a way I haven't felt probably since I was a kid. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I do this podcast. It's Tuesday. So it's nine 11. And, uh, and nine 11, certainly, you know, I, I, I try, I thought to myself, I should do a nine 11 show, but, but in reality, I guess I sort of have, you know, <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers flew two planes directly into the bears and my hopes on Sunday fucking night. And I've done this whole show filled with dates two four Oh seven, 12, 29, 13, and now nine, nine, 18. And I can tell you this as an orange and blue bear fan who was invested now, who was invested in the past, who thought sports didn't matter that much. 9918 is now my new never forget. You guys can get me at Mike and Mike Schmidt comedy.com. You guys can be my friends at facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. How about trivializing 3,000 deaths for the football game? I, hey, <laughs> that might, should I retake that ending? I don't know. That was kind of in the moment. It seemed good. Uh, so have I mentioned some of my Facebook? Yeah, I'm at facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. Follow me at twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. I'm also on Instagram and Snapchat. Have I mentioned that? I think I have. I'm on Instagram and Snapchat at uh, Mike40YOB, Mike40YOB. Check me out there. There's people who bring this show to you and help me out. Ryan Dirks is the guy who does our website, and he does all that cool stuff. Uh, you can follow him. You can be his friend at Facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks. Giovanni Giorgio Peluso is the coolest guy. He handles our YouTube channel and all the uploads and things like that. He's helping me get streaming and Twitch underway. Uh, you know, he was the one who convinced me to stream again yesterday. Um and he's the best. You can go ahead and find him at facebook.com slash Giovanni Giorgio Peluso. And uh, you can find his podcasts. Like I've mentioned, he's refurbishing all the Loveline stuff. That's pretty cool. And he's got the Get It On Geo podcast. Go ahead and find that in your iTunes and love it and, and think he's great and tell him he's the best and thank him for all the cool work he does for us. And, of course, David Mex Hernandez is the man. He, is, uh, he does all of our music. He does all of our artwork. And uh, he also, get this, he cooks omelets. That's right. You didn't think he did, does he? But he shows up here and he cooks me an omelet every Tuesday before I record the show. He's the best. He flies in for that. He's a frequent flyer, that fella. Uh, so you can find him at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez and tell him he's the greatest. Or you know what you really want to do? You want to go to artbydmh.com and check out all of his artwork. Have I mentioned he does all the artwork for this show? I can tell you, I don't know what this week's artwork is, but I know it's going to be fantastic. Take a look at your iPod right now. You'll probably see it. It's brilliant. Uh, and all of the artwork that this guy does for the show is fucking amazing. All of the music he does is incredible. And if you want him to do some artwork for you, now look, here's the thing. You can purchase existing pieces. I don't know if there's any show art for sale. You can inquire to him about that sort of thing. But I will tell you this. There's Guy uh, Cons and Valscapes. Those are available. If you go ahead and peruse his website, you'll see the pieces that he has for sale, pieces he's already sold. Uh, but also, get this. There's a wild card involved, ladies and gentlemen. You can actually ask him to do the artwork that you would want. If you think to yourself, hey, Max, can you paint a, a painting of yourself painting a Valsca uh, Valscape? He'd say, yes, of course. 
as long as there's enough money involved. Hey, Mex, can you paint yourself painting a Gaikon and then taking that Gaikon and mailing it to me? You'd be like, of course. Of course he can do that because that's what he wants to do. He wants to earn money by doing his oil paintings. And he works in oil. He works in watercolor. He works in Play-Doh. He works in uh, the clay that made Blob on BJ and the Dirty Dragon show. Whatever you need him to do, he can do it. But the key is to find him first. Now, I mentioned be his friend at Facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. But if you want his shenanigans in your house, you want paintings, you want artwork, you want amazing uh, existing pieces or custom artwork he can do for you. You got to contact him at artbydmh.com. That's A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H dot com. I look at you all, see the love there that's sleeping, while my guitar gently weeps. I look at the floor, and I see it needs sweeping, still my guitar gently weeps I don't know why nobody told you how to unfold your love I don't know how someone controlled you They bought and sold you I look at the world And I notice it's turning While my guitar gently weeps With every mistake We must surely be learning Still my guitar gently weeps
look at you all Still my guitar gently You're goddamn right. That was David Hernandez with another Beatles track. Uh, that's off of the Beige album, which, uh, guess what, folks? I know what you're thinking to yourself. You know, it was on Patreon, and Patreon people got access to that early, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but the, the Beige album now is available to you, the pleb, the, 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 the listener who can't afford Patreon. I apologize. The listener who doesn't do Patreon because they're worried that someone will steal their information. For whatever reason, you don't do Patreon. If you want to get your hands on the Beige album, which has that track and uh, the track I played a couple of weeks ago, and then 12 other tracks, is it 14 or 13? I can't remember. But it's a lot of uh, Beige Beatles-type tracks from our great friend David Mex Hernandez. Um, that's available now with a $7 donation to the show. All you got to do is donate 7 bucks, And uh, usually there's a button. There used to be a button for this sort of thing, but <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you want to donate to the show seven bucks, uh, if it's not through, you know, if it's not, look, if you go through Patreon, I'll know you're getting it because you're, you're getting it. But if you want to donate seven bucks to the show, then I will, I'll send it out to you and that'll be perfect. But, uh, but you want to, if you want to send me an email that goes, Hey dude, I totally wanted that album. And that's why I made the $7 donation. That would be uh, helpful and make sure you include the email address you wish to have it sent to you. Uh, because it is, uh, it is fantastic. It is worth having. It is something you absolutely want to have. I mean, just listen to the, what I, cause I'll be honest with you. I don't know what I just played, but it was goddamn brilliant. I know what I almost played the last time I played Helter Skelter a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and this was, this might've been something you're a little even more familiar with. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I can't decide which one to play, but I can tell you now, if you want to own that, if you want to have it in your hot little CD player, that seems weird. If you want to have it instead in a digital fashion and play it on in your iPod vagina, what you need to do is donate $7 to the show via the donation button there on MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Send it via PayPal and whatnot. And, uh, and then I will send you, because again, it's a $7 donation, and I will, I will give you the Beige album, which is from our friend David Hernandez. And then you can have that to listen to on your own. Uh, it's funny. I, I, was, I was talking about the Bears earlier. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because why the fuck not? There's another angle, too. Uh, you know, the bears, I, I talked in there and I mentioned Jill and I mentioned the friendly rivalry I'd had with my ex-girlfriend regarding uh, the bears and the Packers. And that was a big thing for us. You know, we went to the games, we went to three of the games, four games, we went to four games, um, two in Chicago, two in, uh, green Bay, no three. God, we went to five games. Holy macaroni. Did we go to a lot of fucking bears Packers games, but that's a thing that, uh, meant something to us. And it was something we shared and it was totally fun. And then to, uh, to not have that and then to have to watch the game on uh, Sunday, uh, 
you have no idea how badly I wanted the Bears to win just because I could not handle the thought of her with whoever her new boyfriend is enjoying a Packers win. I, I know that sounds ridiculous and petty, but it's totally true. Like I, cause that was our thing. That's our thing, man. And if I won, she would, she would kind of pout and I'd be happy. Or if she won, I could, I'd same thing. I'd pretend I wasn't happy, but we were always happy that we, we had won. Uh, but now I can't even imagine her with some boyfriend who probably looks like me, probably there in Lambo when she was watching Khalil Mack go to town and, and then to see them come back and get that win. Uh, I, I know petty, I know terrible, but just, but it hit me right in the fucking heart knowing that she was, that she, that she got that win. I was like, ah, oh, dude, and it shouldn't even matter. It shouldn't matter. But again, as I've mentioned, I'm 51 and now things matter to me again. Cause I'm a weirdo. Uh, but that played no small part in me also just going, Oh God damn it. This used to mean something. And now, uh, you know, but it was fun. But now I uh, just to think that she would be sharing happiness with another dude. Oh, grim. Uh, hey, who wants to be an Uber driver? You? You? Of course you do. Uh, you want to be a Lyft driver too? You? You? Anybody? Well, if you want to be a Lyft driver, you can use my code. And that code is Mike720057, M-I-K-E-720057. Please use all caps on the mic. Use that to become a Lyft driver, and then you do a bunch of trips, and then uh, I get a, a taste of the gig because I'm your Lyft pimp. And uh, you'll be out there making money in no time. And uh, look, I know I've painted Lyft and Uber with a broad brush. You hear some of these things, but 95% of the time, everything's great. It's a side hustle. You get out there, you make some money. Everybody's happy. They're thrilled to see it because you're driving them all over town. So go be a Lyft driver and use my code Mike720057. And I will tell you this, that code also works if you're a passenger. A first-time passenger to Lyft, use that code, and then I get a kickback on that for some weird reason. Uh, And for Uber... You want to use the code DJZW1YTTUE, and that's all lowercase letters. DJZW, the number one, YTTUE, DJZW1YTTUE, all lowercase. That's to become a driver at Uber. That's to become a passenger at Uber. If you're a first-time passenger, use that code. And again, I get a kickback on that, and it's exciting. Let me be your Uber pimp. Let me be your Lyft pimp. Let Let me make as much money as I can while you're on your back driving people to and fro. While you're being a passenger in the back seat with your earbuds in, ignoring your drivers, he tries to give you free water and tell you much how much he loves the government or whatever the fuck, because everybody talks. Um, but please go ahead and use my code. Like I said, for Lyft, Mike720057. For Uber, DJZW1YTTUE. And go ahead and do that all day long. Folks, you know what keeps this show going? Patreon. Did you know that? You should. Patreon is a page where, uh, you know, a lot of people donate and they help this show out and they keep it afloat. And I got to be honest with you, man, last week was a fucking awesome week. A ton of you people stepped up on Patreon and came through in a big way. And I cannot thank you enough, but I will try right now. Uh, Did you know that Michelle Woods kicked in some money? He absolutely became a Patreon subscriber this week. Thank you, Michelle. I'm also going to say this. I hope it's not Michael Woods. Because I know he's in Canada. I met him when I was in Toronto uh, a couple years ago when I did my show. He came to my show, I believe. And I believe it's Michelle. Uh, but I, I hope I'm not ruining it. It could be Michael Woods. could be Michelle Woods. I believe it's Michelle. Uh, so he's the best. And he's a Patreon subscriber now. Also, Alex Reinhardt is now a, a Patreon subscriber. Thank you, Alex Reinhardt, for stepping up in a big way, keeping the show afloat. Uh, our friend Aaron Ach. I don't know. Ach. Ach. could be Aaron Ach. It's A-C-H. Here's me giving full names again because I'm a genius. But Aaron has become a Patreon subscriber. Thank you, Aaron. You're the coolest. You're the best. And uh, you and Alex Reinhardt and Michelle Woods are perfect. Uh, you know who else joins you in the Perfect Club? Elise Laughlin. Thank you, Elise. 
Uh, you have stepped up. You and I have had conversations. On, well, we talked on the phone, I believe, actually, uh, a while ago. And also, we've had conversations on Instagram and stuff. I hope you are well. I hope everything is well with your family and you are good. Uh, I hope your husband is happy. Everything is, is fantastic for you, Elise. Uh, and look, I don't. I certainly feel those ways for Michelle and Alex and Aaron, too. But I just I talked to Elise, so I know a little bit about her. But Elise Laughlin, Michelle Woods, Alex Reinhardt, Aaron Ach. And, uh, and get this, folks. Friend of the show, Ellen. Ellen, who I don't think ever wants me to say her last name, so I will not. Uh, I contacted Ellen. You know, I hadn't heard from her in a few months, and I actually wrote her a text because I, I was I was remiss. She sent me a very nice a nice text in fucking like January, and then I was I looked at my phone. I was like, God damn, what's wrong with you? So I sent her a nice text, and then she sent me a, a note through the mail, and then she 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 bumped up her Patreon subscription, and and I'm I'm so happy and 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 pleased and and thrilled that Ellen is my friend. So I'm glad that she's in my life. I met her at PodFest once, uh, and now there are no more PodFests, so I will never meet her <laughs> unless I go to Colorado and she bumps down there when I'm there traveling or who knows. Um, but yeah, because I told you she lives in the mountains, man. But she was very nice. She she donated more to Patreon, and I can't thank her enough. So Ellen, Aaron Ach, Alex Reinhardt, Michelle slash Michael Woods, and Elise Laughlin, all of you have stepped up on Patreon and kept this show going, and I do appreciate it if you keep as Look, as long as you're listening and I'm talking. That's what matters. And you well, I mean, giving money matters too. So if you guys want to be Patreon people, go to uh, Patreon and look me up, Mike Schmidt or Mike 40YOB, and become a patron of this show. And there's all sorts of levels of things that are cool. Like I said, the beige album's available over there now if you don't want to give the $7 thing, but maybe you do. Who knows? Uh, but if you, because the Patreon thing is a monthly recurring, so I could understand why you want to do the one-time deal instead. And you do that through the donation button that's on, on, in Mike Schmidt comedy on every page. But if you want to be a patron, I would appreciate it very much. Go to Patreon, sign up and, uh, and get ready, man, because we got cool things coming up. Personal chats. Uh, you know, I, I advertise a t-shirt on there. Max and I are talking about it, but it costs money to make a t-shirt apparently. So the more Patreon people I get, the more I can get to a t-shirt and get that rolling. It's all happening, folks, as our good friend uh, Penny Lane would tell us. So please become patrons over there at Patreon, and I'll consider you the best. Uh, We have sponsors of this show, our good friend Fearful Jesuit. He does a podcast called The Paranoid Strain. You can go ahead and check out his podcast. It's available in iTunes right now. Now, I have not listened to the most recent one, but apparently it's gone up. I found out about it through uh, via text through some of the monks at the compound they texted me and then i saw a posting on the fan club page and he's like well we'll ramp up promotion next week but i'll give them a free week why not we'll go ahead and do that now i haven't heard it yet i'll hear it this week and i'll be able to tell you more in depth about what it's about but i can tell you this week it's this it's about QAnon. and here's what i'm going to tell you folks if you don't know what QAnon is you're a lucky person but you should want to learn more about QAnon, and certainly the way to do it is to listen to the paranoid strain podcast because he's going to come at it with from an uh well, not even an unbiased way, from a smart way, from an educated way, because QAnon is fucking stupid. That's all I'll tell you. So if you don't know what it is, listen to the Paranoid Strain podcast and get on board, and uh, and you'll know all about QAnon and why you need to avoid those motherfuckers at all costs. But that's available now. The Paranoid Strain is available in iTunes right now, and uh, of course, there's the website, I believe, ParanoidStrain.com or TheParanoidStrain.com. Do me a favor. Write Fearful Jesuit a note to tell him that you heard about the show through us and that you love the show and you'd love to have your voice on the show or whatever. Ask him a question, whatever you need to do. He's very good about engaging listeners, probably better than I am. And by probably, I mean certainly. Also on the iTunes page, if you leave a review, please make sure you mention that the 40-year-old boy show sent you and that, uh, you know, because I want Fearful Jesuit to think we're, uh, we're, we're doing the job for him. Uh, so please do. So send a thing on iTunes and say, Hey man, Mike Schmidt sent me. So he thinks I'm a hitter. They think I'm a hitter. We all know I'm a hitter and everybody gets on board with me. 
Eh, this is all a reverse thing to get you guys back on board with me. I, I talk about fearful Jesuit like he's somebody, but in reality, I want you guys to love me. Love me, goddammit. Go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. As I've mentioned many times, you can go there and go to the Joe Business page. We've got stuff on there for sale. We've got all the live stuff for sale, and uh, I don't think we're selling the download sets anymore, but we've got live stuff. we got a bunch of neat stuff. Shirts are in the pipeline. But also, more importantly, the donate button is there, and you can donate the $7 to get the uh, beige album, as I've mentioned earlier. But also, folks, that's where you'll find the Amazon link lurking. You'll also find the Amazon lurk linking there. Uh, Amazon, click on that. Clicks you through, takes you into the wild world of Amazon, buy things and we get credit. They get money, we get money, you get stuff. It's a fantastic deal. It's a triangle of love. It's like all of us are holding each other's wrist in, a, in an unholy alliance, and that's important. So go ahead and use our Amazon link right there at the Joe Business page you're getting. You see the Amazon thing, click on it. It takes you through to the Amazon portal. While you're in there shopping, we're getting credit. We get money, they get money, you get stuff. And you know you're buying stuff. You know you need stuff. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It's just one extra step of going to the Joe Business page and clicking on the Amazon link, and boom, now you're in there. You're spending money. You're doing everything you can to buy screws and nuts and bolts and every other thing that'll keep things together. Keep it together, folks. Keep it together. Keep keep it together, together forever. <laughs> uh, so please do that. And also, folks, let me tell you this. Next week, this show comes to you live from Toronto. Uh, the podcast won't be live from Toronto. I'll be recording it in Toronto, however. Um, but I will tell you this. There, there's a, I'm, a live, I'm doing a live show in Toronto next week. That's the uh, 21st, Friday, September 21st, at the Steve's music store lounge upstairs in toronto you can find the address online but uh we're not doing any ticket sales it's going to be a pass the hat deal where you guys show up you pay what you want you pay what you can you pay what you will and then i'm going to show up and i'm going to do a show i'm going to talk i'm going to tell stories i'm going to meet everybody i'm going to hang out it's going to be fantastic and fun uh i will tell you this i'm i do have plans to try and stream the show it all depends on the wi-fi there at steve's music uh store lounge up in the attic i'm gonna get there early in the week and test it out maybe i'll do a test stream from there just for a little uh a little bite size to see how it works but please tune in next week uh well again like i said the podcast can be recorded in toronto somewhere probably ken's house but more importantly there the live show if you're in Canada, you're in Toronto, you're around there, Buffalo, wherever, come on out to the show, man. It'll be at Steve's Music Store Lounge. And also, if you just want to fucking hang out, I found out we're going to an escape room. I think we're throwing axes again. We're all going to go see Predator, I think, on Monday. So if you guys, anybody who wants to be in for these activities, contact Ken Fairhall, contact Johnny Floor, uh, find them via Facebook. You can probably go through Rick Wellbanks, too, because he's got a pipeline to those guys. Those are my go-to dudes in Toronto. Um... And if you want to be involved, man, like I said, there's a bunch of last, last year, people just showed up, Tanya and Mike showed up and Robert, everybody, we had a good time and, and Steve. So please, if you guys are there in, in Toronto and you want to come out to the show, you want to come out and eat, you want to fucking hang, it's just going to be a week of goofing off and having fun, man. I'm going to record the podcast. Maybe even, you know, maybe even a few people want to come and watch me record the podcast on Tuesday. Ken would be able to accommodate that. I don't know, but, uh, or Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever we're going to plan on do it. Hopefully Tuesday. That's my plan. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm walking into a hornet's nest. A, I'm walking into a Canadian hornet's nest, so they're, they're very polite. They say they're sorry just before they sting you. Uh, but that exists. So please, man, if you want to come out to Toronto to the show, we're going to be at Steve's on Friday. If you want to possibly watch me do the podcast, write Ken and John and see if that's a thing. If they if Ken will welcome people into his house, I don't want to just invite people into his fucking house. That seems weird and rude. And if you want to be part of the fucking fun, 
If you just want to be part of the up and down and the ins and outs and whatever we're doing in goddamn Canada, then get on board, man. We're going to be chugging syrup. We're going to be throwing fucking Canadian bacon at people. We're going to get pea meal bacon sandwiches. That's, you know, this is the main reason I go to the, on this trip. I know it's rebirth. I know I'm getting in shape, but dude, pea meal bacon sandwiches are ridiculous. It's just, they're, they're, and Johnny Floor was good enough to get me them. You know, when I went my first trip to Toronto, when I did a show, we wound up in this like fucking St. Lawrence market or whatever the fuck it was. And we waited in line. We had been out all night, me and him and Valkyrie Harper. And hey, Valkyrie, are you out there? Are you still listening? Contact me, man. I haven't heard from you in forever. And if we can see you in when I'm in Toronto, that'd be great. But dudes, we went and waited in line for the sandwiches. And I did that show and I told that story. But man, was it fucking phenomenal. So then this last trip last year, I mentioned it to John. John fucking, you know, because Ken doesn't live in Toronto proper. So John drove like... 40 miles to get the sandwiches and then 40 more miles to come to John's house or to Ken's house. And I'm like, dude, you didn't have to do this. He's like, no man. But I'll tell you what, when I opened it, I was like, nah, you know what? You absolutely had to fucking do this. God damn this sandwich. I mean, it, it's just, it's pea meal bacon on a roll with cheese. And, and you don't understand the difference between, because Canadian bacon is fucked. American bacon is good, but pea meal bacon, it just punches American bacon in the face and stands over it and points fucking, you know what? Goddamn pea meal bacon is Ali. And fucking American bacon is listing. And fucking a female bacon is just standing over fucking American bacon and going, What's my name? What's my name, goddammit? You go to Lewiston, Maine, there's a plaque to female bacon on the goddamn wall. Because it beat fucking Sonny Liston. American bacon and what's the Ready? You don't come to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick. Egg, 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 egg.